Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a new episode of the X Button, episode season three, episode three. This is your host Alejandro. With me is the Northman. Paul, oh, hey everybody, how's it going? <laughs> How you doing, Paul? Like, I I am a Northman in everything but geographical location, and I'll be shifting myself pretty soon northward anyway. So yeah, that's um, that's crazy. Now now that you have basically like announced it to the world. Yeah, yeah, like this, so it's this officially week, so. confirmed. Um, I'm going to be up in uh, North Carolina in about a month from now. Uh, almost a little bit less than exactly, but it's it's not real still. And mm -hmm. I'm still in the process of actually packing everything to get ready for it. It's going to be a really weird, hectic time, I tell you. Yeah, and the thing is that that may be my situation also, but I'm still staying in El Salvador, like just moving to a different place. Right. And, but that's still kind of like a TBD for me, but it's not going into a different state, especially you're going from like basically the Midwest all the way to the to the East Coast. So. I, I am. I wouldn't say Midwest. I'm deep south uh, mm -hmm. east, technically. Um, and then we're going even further east and even further north by a good more margin. It's weird, though, because they all consider themselves Southerners. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, y'all are not compared mm -hmm. to southerners the way i know it <laughs> yeah. but you want real south being texas we're in florida <laughs> yeah there's there's not much further you can get south but uh there's this parts of texas and florida that technically have me beat at least mm -hmm. but anyway yeah so um that's even though that's happening that's why i come here because we're here to escape aren't we yeah for a little bit because this is the x bottom podcast our gaming podcast that posts every thursdays from 2 p.m onwards god willing available in the youtube channel escape gaming as well as most audio services around the world. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the like. You can find links in the RSS feed at anchor.fm slash escape gaming. If you enjoy our show, give us a like and subscribe. Uh, just some notes here that I want to point out. Like uh, the first two episodes of, of this year, the two very special episodes of the our Game of the Year show on our uh, most anticipated games of 2023 episodes are live, both in audio and video. Uh, the most anticipated episode we had a special guest, Sebastian Malden, from the Single Player Experience, the, sh the podcast that I guessed on last Sunday. And everyone check check that out because we might be appearing in his show more often and vice versa. Hopefully he becomes even a more regular stinker of the show because I love recording with him. It was a uh, lot of fun. It was a good little shaking things up and yes. uh, trying some new things. And as, for, and as for the day of posting, while well, right now it's Thursdays from 2 p.m. onwards... Once you have shifted and everything has happened, we might have to rethink uh, when the episodes actually go live and when we're going to be recording. Yes. So we'll definitely let you all know. But until that happens, it's still a Thursday show from 2 p.m. onwards. So, yep. Paul, because the first two episodes were like so not a real start. This is like a TV show that takes three episodes to kind of get going. That's basically us right now. This is our first traditional episode for 2023, which is insane because it's already January 24th when we're recording. Happy Forspoken Day everyone the world still spins i yeah. tell you because <laughs> oh my gosh it's so weird that we're almost a whole month into the first the, the next year and uh -huh. we're only just now getting to our actual normally scheduled programming oh yeah because so we didn't want because we could have started even earlier but i was like in vacation still so i was like i'll just push it another week honestly <laughs> i, I kind of liked it it was really mm -hmm. nice to just look back on everything and then look forward and now we can get back into the nitty-gritty of things and not really worry about the details during that time and it sounds like uh those episodes did pretty well honestly yeah like super shockingly well i was like huh the the, the algorithm at least in youtube was like kind to us in our return after not posting for like a month and a half 
since like since like we are kind of like a full month since we stopped the last year, last season. So, but Paul, we played a lot. So, tell me about Shane Echoes. So, um, imagine if you will, Chrono Trigger, mm -hmm. um, just just all of Chrono Trigger, including the really interesting, unique characters. Um, the wild premise of steampunk mechs and mercenary bands using airships and stuff. Uh, the storyline starts off with four different perspectives that it quickly jumps between within like maybe a 15, 20 minute uh, area. So think like um, Octopath Traveler, except it doesn't waste as much of your time. It's like Chrono Trigger, but really cool with steampunk mechs. Anyway, the, it's a turn-based system uh, for the combat. They cut out all of the fat, basically. Mm -hmm. You um, are automatically healed up, get all of your magic. Anybody who died is brought back to life at the end of all your fights. So it really encourages you to be super aggressive with each of your fights all of the fights themselves usually only take like 15 to 30 seconds for some mm -hmm. of like the weaker enemies so you're really not even wasting your time on it there's a really quick system to like use assists to switch out characters that are kind of in your back row almost mm -hmm. to make things easier just keep things moving and you're not in this point where you're just like oh my goodness i can't do anything because my one guy is like incapacitated and you just you're not wasting time as mm -hmm. far as the plot goes each one is very different how they all come together very quickly in the grand scheme of the game was really interesting i love all the personalities of everybody and i'm just running around getting lost in this cool fantasy world mm -hmm. of like 16 bit just chill vibes great music mm -hmm. um and just yeah it's great go play chained echoes if it's you on want game to pass. get back in yes it's mm -hmm. on game pass for free if anybody likes that and um yeah if you want to get back into turn-based stuff and you've just been tired of all of the bs frankly that turn-based can give you this is that opportunity i would say to get back into it so uh i'm gonna hop off my soapbox with that one now yeah so paul yeah tell me about your number five game from 2022 was it number five <laughs> yeah Oh my god! I thought I'm it was actually seven. number six. Yeah. No, I was six. Sorry, sorry. Is it really? Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, it was pretty high up there. It's probably dropped down a few notches because at the on one hand, Midnight Suns is a great game in a lot of ways. It's really fun, really easy to pick up and put down. And then at one point after putting in a good like 20, 30 hours, what it feels like, uh, something broke in me because every single day was the same. Your character wakes up, you go around to make sure you tap chat with a few people. You got to pick up your daily uh, cards that you're given you have to upgrade anything you go to training with any of your characters make sure you have other like social link conversations mm -hmm. with people and then you can finally choose what mission you're going to go on which i feel like is a minority in the actual process of playing this game and frankly mm -hmm. <laughs> i would rather just keep playing the game where you can use the cards and do all the cool combos and um I just i wish there was more of that part of it but it's really mostly managing mm -hmm. these friendships for the lack of a better word um and the constant drama between all of them and after a while i was like okay i don't care how much dr strange hates the midnight suns and how much the midnight suns hate him and how much tony is a jerk and like all that stuff and it's just kind of the same thing after a while but at the same time 
I feel like I'm doing a disservice to how well written it all is, how well fleshed out a lot of the characters are. And each of them interacting with the hunter is like the best parts of it because your character really shows a lot of good empathy points and really meets people where they're at. And it's just really cool interacting with Peter Parker or Wolverine and whatever. It, it's so funny. You said you play like 20 or 30 hours, right? Uh, I think so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Scale Ups Review said, I recommend the first 30 hours of Midnight Suns. Oh, yeah, that sounds about right. Okay. <laughs> so it's so funny to think that. And that's why I personally don't put games in a top 10 that I haven't finished for precisely that reason. So I mean, at the same time, I don't think there was going to be anything else that would have booted it out of the top 10. Maybe it would have gone into the top 10 spot and maybe shifted some things up a little bit. But in the end, it's all going to come out in the wash almost. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but then to mess with you, I might have put it higher just out of spite. Who yeah. knows? <laughs> um, but truth be told, yeah. So it's like, on one hand, yeah, it had a lot more issues and it just kind of outstays its welcome. But there is something in there that could be really addicting, especially once again, if you don't really like turn-based stuff, this is something that does a lot of interesting things with that mm -hmm. and it just makes me wish there were more clones of XCOM because that style is so fun and it makes me feel so strategic when something really pulls off the right way yeah. with also the restrictions with the punishments not being as high as something like XCOM itself mm -hmm. uh, but yeah that's that's all I was going to say for Midnight Suns um, the next thing we we can both kind of yeah I, a little bit because we did play uh, we both played it especially when you told me that it was live the One Piece Odyssey demo because the game yeah. already came out last week I think if I remember or was it two How weeks ago how much did you play of that I played up, up until the combat section and then I was like not for me um, how much of that combat did you actually try playing yeah, uh, just the very first, just like a, just that the training. First yeah, okay. yeah, and then I was like, hmm, and then uh, I just read that apparently, like this game, it said like seven hundred episodes into the One Piece anime, and I'm like, nope. Yep, it is. <laughs> this eight. is not. For, yeah, this is a, <sighs> this is not for non-fans. <laughs> yeah, this is like. For me, who has actually read up into and past wherever this is supposedly takes place, um, is right after like the two-year time skip after, like you said, about 700 episodes. Mm -hmm. And they do nothing to explain who any of the characters are, what the world is, what is going on, why the... Uh, the cubes are really important nothing it's like okay we're just gonna assume you know all about one piece and its world here's a cool environment and adventure in that world and it's like granted if you know all of that you're gonna resonate super hard with that concept the same way people want to go to japan to see the one piece theme park ride mm -hmm. and it's just like you don't need all the details you just know like i'm gonna have a freaking awesome time out here Unfortunately, this is not really geared to that. A lot of people were like, oh, this is like your chance to get into the series. And it really isn't yeah. at all. Such a missed opportunity. Such a missed opportunity to not allow like some sort of like small recap or explanation of what this is to try to bring in people into this world to then potentially make them interested enough to go catch up on the million episodes that that show is. Is One Piece like the most like bloated like anime it exists i don't know if i would call bloated it's right. the concept of like the actual the iliad and the odyssey where it's like just a really long adventure following mm -hmm. these characters that's like the best way i could actually describe it because it's like if you are here for the characters you don't care what they're going to do or what mm -hmm. they do along the way it's just like 
I'm going to watch this crazy, awesome adventure unfold, um, similar to your favorite hundred hour long RPG Mm -hmm. where you just, you're sitting in and you're just enjoying the ride. But if your whole thing is like, I want to get to the reason why this story exists. Well, buddy, I got some things to tell you. (laughs) It's, It is the literal case of maybe the One Piece was our hearts along the way and all the friends we made along the way. It, like it's it's really more about that whole style style of it rather than the the objective. So uh, unfortunately, yeah, it's that's as far as just you know the plot and the premise of everything. The, mm-hmm. the combat is just not, especially after playing something as simplified as like Dragon Quest XI and now Chain Echoes. It's like it's so bloated it's like you've got three separate circles of combat you can move between mm-hmm. them and then help your buddies the menu is like so there's like a loud. rock paper yeah. scissors of like different types of attacks that sometimes affect one person in your circle one person in that circle multiple people in yours multiple people in theirs and they're like different ones for each one they have different kind of currencies to use it's just it's too too much uh too much fat in that whole process for it to be anywhere close to enjoyable however it's really pretty to look at the style is great Mm -hmm. it's like just it was made for this cool 3d ish Mm -hmm. sculpted feel to it um and i'm really glad that anime games have kind of found that as like that's the really good middle ground to find between that or like the arc system works dragon ball fighters and things like that but I'm just, I'm really glad that 3D made that possible. But anyway, One Piece Odyssey, unless you're really into One Piece or really into turn-based stuff, I would not recommend it. Yeah. So, Paul, uh, Star Wars Jedi Knight Jedi Academy. I actually, like, was the one that, um, I'll, I'll, I'll just preamble this. Go ahead, I was go I, w- I was on TikTok, literally. And then suddenly, like, in my For You page, I got, like, a Star Wars games for you. And then I had, like, this one explaining about... Jedi Academy, how it was this like actual sequel to Jedi Knight to Jedi Outcast, that you make your own Jedi, you go on missions. And I was like, wait a second. Like, you said a sequel to Jedi Outcast, one of my like, multi-time favorite like Star Wars games. When I thought this was just like a multiplayer spin-off. Like that that's all that's always been kind of like my perception of Jedi Academy, not like as a follow-up to Jedi Knight 2. And it was like five bucks on the PSN sale. I was like, yep, buying. And play. I, I got to play at least like two missions of it. And before I got distracted to something that just sucked the light out of me. And I'm going to talk about it in a little yeah, bit. we got to talk about that. Uh, but I was like, oh my God, I'm playing like, ah, oh, it's like Jedi Knight is so cool. Mm-hmm. Just like, why haven't we gotten a Star Wars game as good as this? That is both a shooter and a lightsaber game. Where the lightsaber combat even though it seems simple, it's so cool. Yeah. Like with with like the way that you position yourself in animation and aiming it and the comments, it's, it's really cool. And it's crazy that no one in modern Texas has looked at that game and be like, let's do that, but modern. It's either one or the other. I mean, we barely even got any shooter in Star Wars. I mean, we're, we will with yeah. Respawn, but uh, I definitely want to play a little bit more of it, especially because it barely takes any space in my hard drive. And you did play a little bit more because you're pl- putting some videos of it. I did, um, because I realized that 
it's just so easy to post things from my PS5. And mm-hmm. I just love like making little one minute segments of either mm-hmm. a really cool thing that happened or the game breaking in some funny way and posting those because it's just so easy. It takes like 30 seconds out of my time when I'm mm-hmm. playing. And then I'm like, well, now I have a record of this cool thing that happened while I played. Mm-hmm. And then it's not really awkward and cringe when it goes to my Facebook. Because like, yeah. that's what I used to do. Because that, that was, they, they, they cut that functionality out. It's just Twitter yeah. or YouTube now. I, I'm kind of glad because putting things on Facebook was always awkward because mm-hmm. you never got any likes. It was all your family. That's just like, good for you, honey. And yeah, I'm like, yeah. I don't want, no, grandma, don't talk about this. <laughs> they don't understand. They don't, they don't get understand. it. <laughs> they don't get it. No. Um, but anyway, yeah. So all that is to say um, it's it's just so fun to watch gameplay of and then to actually sit down and play it because each of the missions are like little bite-sized adventures Mm -hmm. that really you can tackle in any order Mm -hmm. um you can after each mission you get one little point to put in a new force power that you get which can really change things up as Mm -hmm. you picked uh force lightning i think i picked force grip and as um to tell you when you fully upgrade force grip you can literally do the darth vader move you grab them you can pull them towards you you can whip them up throw them to the side as my video showed you can Uh, just throw them off a moving train no biggie they're gone uh, um and sometimes you can when you upgrade it all the way you can do it to some of the jedi that face against you the little sith dudes and then you can just kind of body them left and right here and there and throw them around they try to resist it but i'm like just gonna do it again because mm-hmm. force powers regenerate yes indeed um but anyway. it's a different kind of power fantasy than something like the force unleashed that's just so augmented it's just so up to the next level but like jedi academy i never felt like i was too powerful as a character like i felt like i was an actual padawan that was slowly growing in strength because as you do these chunks of missions you get a big story and then you get another chunk of missions and then you're core force powers have leveled up between that and so you do that three times as you saw with like your Mm -hmm. lightsaber throw your jump your speed your push your pull whatever that is and that's it's just such a cool well-balanced concept it doesn't make you feel too overpowered but at the same time you're like you're literally a jedi running up against dudes with blasters and you are more powerful than them so it just feels great to just go through going vom vom Boom, boom, and then just you turn around there's a hallway of death behind yeah. you i feel i'm gonna start I'm, I'm gonna get into a star wars mood in the road to jedi survivors so i think around that time is when i'm gonna be like playing all these star wars games because i it's think that's like, gonna be a really good time for yeah. sure and i need to like complete the jedi fallen order uh ps5 run that i started very early before i went on vacation and never really completed it so I kind of want to because the PS5 version is so good. Even though, like, for some reason, for yours, it's like you were falling down floors. I, Honestly, I, that only happened the two times I posted, but it was so weird that it was like there's just a thing. I wasn't even on the edge. Mm-hmm. I know, and, and I then just you just fell, fell through. Yeah, and I'm that like, really I'm, I'm, I think I be, I'm starting to believe more and more that there's something going with your PS5 because the way the games break on yours that never do in mine, it's like it's not reaching a point where I'm like very suspect about. How about your console? <laughs> it's not even something that I think I could ever fix besides mm-hmm. getting another system or something. But at the same time, it's it's almost enjoyable because yeah. it's just there's always something silly that's going to go down. You don't know what it's going to be. And yeah. it's not even like that much of an inconvenience either. So I'm just sitting back like, oh, my goodness, are you serious? That's amazing. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyway, um, we actually uh, 
to mention Jedi Fallen Order, I also replayed that on PS5 mm-hmm. and I finished that. Just great revisit to the game. I think I enjoyed it a lot more. They fixed Cal's uh, hair. Mm-hmm. They like replaced the texture of it completely. So it looked a no, lot it, better. It didn't replace. They just added more resolution. Is that all? They yeah, did? That, yes. it felt like it was more full. Like it used to be like you could see through parts of it and it yeah. just didn't look right when the resolution pixels would freak that's out. That's where that's how you can notice uh, if a game is at proper resolution or not. Like, for example, uh, with a game that we we're going to talk about that came out today. Uh, you yeah. can, especially if you're that's, focusing that's on a good example. Yeah, if Jedi you flip, Fallen Order looked like that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's because of the low resolution. That game had a low resolution back on PS4 and PS4 Pro. It never was like full 4K. And even right now, it's not full 4K, but 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 it's like interpolated, isn't yes, it? Yes, it's it's like more like I think it's like reconstructed. So it's like it it just looks sharper. So the right. sharper it looks, hair will look sharper. They haven't like replaced anything. They just okay, like well, be- beefed up that because so. it. Just the textures and everything just looked so much better on that PS5 version. So all of like the rough textures of everything on the PS4 is like totally gone. And I loved it so much more revisiting. I'm so glad I did before mm-hmm. Survivor. Even if some of the jank is still there, it's still being like way cleaned up than how it was, yeah. how it was before. And as we've learned, it's all about the gameplay, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. <laughs> so... Um, so yeah, the last thing is what we're going to share on. But do you want to go through anything yeah, my, that we didn't no, touch on? Yeah, with mine. Uh, I waited for this version to launch, uh, so I played just for in the day that it came out, Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. I played up until what I remember the most vividly from my anime back in the anime days. You uh, made me wish that I had bought that when it was on that deep sale because now I'm like, gosh, I don't think I'm gonna see that deep of a sale for that game. For I think you will. Time. The thing is that I've, I, I found so. a, a deep sale for the digital deluxe edition, so I had like all the DLC there now. So. Nice. I'll say this, like, they continued the storyline even after the main story. Um, I, yeah, I think they covered the entirety of Dragon Ball Z, as far as I yeah. know. And they're covering like the movies and Super now, I think, mm-hmm. uh, which is surprising. I didn't expect them to do that, but yeah. so far Kakarot is like the most comprehensive, uh, untouched plot of the actual Dragon Ball Z anime and manga. And yeah. I'm kind of surprised because there's always something that one. Of it's the just crazy so. how much like I remember some of the dialogue or what the things that were going to happen, and they put it in the game. The fight against Goku's brother, Gohan, go, yeah, go, Gohan got, having like the big like explosion of power trying to defend him, and then uh, Goku holding him, and 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 it's a Piccolo that shoots him, the, the yeah, big yeah. laser that kills both of them. I was like, I remember this when I watched like some runs of Dragon Ball Z back in like January 2001 when uh, I told you the story. That was like the a legendary month for my country because we suffered like massive earthquakes. That had to like take us away from our houses because it was going to be in danger of us sleeping in our houses. We had to sleep in garages for a little bit. And I had like a TV with an antenna. And that's where, uh, that's how I saw both Digimon and uh, and Dragon Ball. And I remember all that. I remember the Goku's run into heaven, that, that endless road to go be, meet whatever. Because of the filter, it just mm-hmm. lasted forever. Uh-huh. And, um, the game also covers Gohan getting trained by Piccolo as they wait for the year for the other Super Saiyans. Uh, so I played up until that. I was like, this is a really well-made action RPG that's turn-based, quote-unquote, because it's like it's always a one-on-one fight with an enemy, but it's an action game. You're tapping yeah. buttons. You have like you have to do like uh, special moves with like the shoulder buttons, and it has this very like Man of Steel style as like Superman, like punch hard and punch harder and 
looks so beautiful, like the art style. It's funny having played that and One Piece Odyssey around the same time. Both games literally came That's out next to each other. Point. What's that it, feel like? It was like visually, they look, they're, they're from the same company, Bandai Namco. Right. So they basically just use the same art style. They work so well. They have they have nailed the 3D uh, the 3D anime style for those games. Then and I think that they got they got it right when they really got it right with the Tales games. I think once they they they, they nailed that art style, they over implanted it to anime games, and it just yeah. looks so good. I didn't play more of it because I was this entire uh, winter break. I really was at the mercy of Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Like, and I forgot to mention, it I did came calling once again. Yes, and uh, the the thing is that I did beat Stranger of Paradise. I forgot to put it there. I beat it. I beat it during uh, during that break, and then after I beat Stranger of Paradise, and I was like, okay, what do I play now? Assassin's Creed Valhalla was there. I was like, crap, the DLC that I said I was gonna play. Yeah, I'm gonna play it. I just want to get them over with. Was it like two weeks of December? How many weeks until this last Sunday? Almost five weeks just playing this damn game. And it you is could DLC. not pull yourself away, no matter how hard you tried. Yeah, and I don't know why. Like, I here's the thing. Like I've said it before in the show, I do love Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I put 123 hours into the main game. I was only bored for one of those. Only one time I was like, I don't like this. The festival all the way to like the west that you have to go through like some mass and solve like a murder yeah. mystery. That was the, that was the one part where I started to feel bored of the game. But that was like so late and with how how often I was playing that game. And, and the thing is that what I realized is that Valhalla's mixture of tying uh, the main characters like plot and the, the whole theme of fate to the theme of the future and the fate of the Isu and all of that and how like that answers so many questions always out of that like the more sci-fi parts of this game. That's what kept me pulled in. That's what I that's why like I was able to like stuck to the main story threads of, of Valhalla even when they barely touched upon them because I knew I had that carrot in front of me. Playing the DLC didn't have that carrot in front of me. And that's where like to me the problems of Valhalla finally like starting like popping in a little bit more because I didn't have the things that were carrying me through. And especially even the music kind of like coding and making everything feel more epic. Like 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 it was there. It's like when I was playing Valhalla just as a game where I'm like simulating biking in that time, I was bored of it. Even though I did like the Siege of Paris DLC, the second one, because it did bring they did, did bring back the Assassin's Creed Unity style of like there's many ways that you can like get to this target. Just explore, figure it out. And there's like different ways that you can get to that. And that I found that's pretty cool because many ways that you do assassinations in this game is like so simple. And you just have to like figure this stuff out when you're doing the whole threats of the order of the ancients, follow the clues and all that. There's it felt like there was there was more black box in the in the Siege of Paris. But the Wrath of the Druids DLC was dreadful. I hated that DLC, the first one. And I hated it more because I heard how much people were recommending it. They were like, this place is amazingly beautiful. It's like the it's better than many things in the main game. And I played it. I was like, all of this looks so boring. Like, where's this beauty everyone was telling me through? Like, fighting these druids in this, like, place where it gets you, like... It's, it starts, like, this weird chromatic aberration. It didn't, like... Uh, because I know That's you know, what was giving me that really bad headache. Yeah, it didn't give me memory. headache. It just made me annoyed that I had to, like, slow down my gameplay trying to fight these mofos. That... And then when I finished it, I was like, what was the point of this? So... Yeah. And then Siege of Paris was also kind of like that, but I did enjoy Paris. Like I found the beauty in Paris that I didn't do in Ireland. Of course I would. It was kind of cool seeing like a, a smaller 
uh, like what what was the Assassin's Creed Unity map? As you can see, like in the map, seeing it like more like earlier, like with less crowd, and, uh, and like a little bit more compacted, like in the context of the entirety of France. It was still a little too big of a, a chunk of land, but I did enjoy that DLC a little bit more, um, especially what it does with the with the actual Siege of Paris, which it taught me something. I didn't know that actually happened in real life, like an actual Viking siege of, of Paris. So, and then there was the the last DLC, Dawn of Ragnarok. That one was so cool in gameplay because it added a lot of the outlandishness that Assassin's Creed Odyssey had. Like I showed you a clip of it of when the, that you have this. Jotun power that if you absorb it from like some of the Jotunheim soldiers that allows you to like quick teleport like if it's Shadow of War, Shadow of Mordor and and the and, and the dagger of Assassin's Creed Odyssey to like quick assassinate people from like different distances and be able to teleport. You can transform into an eagle because Odin transforms into an eagle and it was cool like sometimes you could jump transform into an eagle and then just go fly around the map and then if you see an enemy like Press R1 if you unlock the if you unlock the ability to fly with your with the eagle and air assassinate them. It was it had a lot of cool a lot of that cool stuff. Story wise though, um, it was nothing. It was like the name implies everything that what it means to do. And I think like the thing that disappointed me most about it story wise was the fact that uh, the Asgard and Jotunheim arcs in the main game they worked so well to tie in to what the whole point of the game is and you're realizing that what you're witnessing is actually the story of the first civilization and it's just you're just seeing it through Eivor's eyes who has heard all the Norse myths of Odin, Asgard, all the all the Norse gods when in the in, in the Assassin's Creed lore it tells you to that all mythologies that that, that that all civilizations celebrate they're actually celebrating the Isu this alien this alien sect of beings that had no names of those gods but were like a higher a, a higher uh a higher level civilization that started early that's what the first civilization has always been and assassin's creed odyssey kind of like started painting painting that and uh, and 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 valhalla finally made it more literal like explaining to you how everything ended for them and this dlc touched on none of that like in fact it got a little too outlandish to the point that i was like what was so cool about seeing the Asgard and Jotunheim art was that if you really started to think about the way that they were portraying the mythology, you could see how it could have a correlation with real life and the ultimate relation you get after getting some of the collectibles. None of that like made sense in Dawn of Ragnarok. And I was kind of telling you, like the way I saw Dawn of Ragnarok, I feel like Ubisoft developers were... Uh, that was the point where I was like seeing maybe a cry for them that they wanted to make an actual mythological game. And the fact that it had to be stuck to Assassin's Creed was actually a detriment. Like, some of the gameplay elements they had there would have been really cool in another Immortals kind of game. Now that I think about it, it, Dawn of Ragnarok was probably, like, would have served itself better as a sequel to Immortals Phoenix Rising. Mm -hmm. But um, in the end, it's like nobody would have bought that because... did Honestly, did Immortals Phoenix Rising do well at all? Yeah, it yeah, it was, like, from the three Ubisoft games that launched in that fall. It was the one that they dumped it in December. Yeah. Because they they emphasized Valhalla and Watch Dogs Legions first, and uh, from what I understand, because I haven't finished Immortals, Immortals is the best one out of out of all of them. But uh, yeah, when I finished Dawn of Ragnarok, I was like, I, I sent you the Gene Park meme, like uh, 
uh, like I, I've been spending a year with Valhalla. I'm only two thirds done. Yeah. Like I feel like I'm entering my last semester of school, and it feels like I just want to get it over with. And Seriously. it felt like that because it was like, if anything, like if there's something I will give Odyssey is that the DLC felt important. The DLC left me fulfilled finishing it. This DLC lowered my opinion of this game. Like this is this is something that I would tell you, like maybe Siege of Paris because I know how much. For some reason, you absolutely love Unity. Like that would be the one that I tell you to play it just to get a little bit taste of that kind of the kind of assassinations they tested there. But yeah. and maybe like Donald Ragnar, if you can get it from like a very 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 deep sale, just to kind of test around with some of the powers I give you because it, it has like some of the cooler powers there. These are not I worth playing. Oh, okay. uh, it was back when I was still playing it. They were like, there was a deep sale for all oh, okay. the DLC separately. Um, and so I know I have Wrath of Druids and mm -hmm. uh, Siege of Paris. I'm yeah. not 100% sure on Dawn of Ragnarok, but I'm pretty sure I picked it up for like 10 or 12 bucks or something. Yeah, because they, right? they, they dropped it in sale hard. And uh, they, that one's actually longer than the other ones. And from a gameplay perspective, it's the one I enjoyed the most out of the three, but it wasn't real Assassin's Creed. There's not even assassinations in that place, which tells you everything. You fight Surtur. <laughs> you have a boss fight against Surtur in this. So that's why I was telling you that like, Dawn of Ragnar just didn't make sense as an Assassin's Creed expansion. I'm feeling a lot more of that. Um, what was the Origins DLC called again? Curse of the Pharaohs. That's the one. Like I think you uh, similarized the two of them, yeah. and I was like, this sounds really close to it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is that this is more outlandish than Curse of the Pharaohs, but I, I, to me, they sit in the same mind. It's like they had really cool like lore breaking gameplay into them and especially with how they do with mythology and all that but they're not essential i would say dawn of ragnar was a little bit more fun than curse of the pharaohs because curse of the pharaohs had really horrendous boss battles like absolutely horrendous for a game that wasn't built for them uh it tried to be like dark souls in a game that wasn't really like with with a game with such slow dps that just wasn't fun to do and the story also was very non-existent and uh i would say like especially with the uh, with Dawn of Ragnarok, the epilogue that they released last December that completely ended Valhalla was just more effective to kind of close out the story and uh, actually tie more the series together than that DLC. So that's what I find I, I find real funny. But um, overall, like my opinion of Valhalla is that the main game I really like this DLC, not at all. Uh, Odyssey was just much better in this DLC. But it sucks that there was just something about Valhalla that just grabbed me by the balls. I tried to stop playing it and I couldn't. There was just something like my mind was like so tight and like just wanting to just get it all done with. I would say it did feel nice to delete it. Like 100 gigs that I don't have to like use anymore. At least for That's a long time. Freeing, at least for that. <laughs> yeah. That was kind of like my, my purpose. I was like, I just kind of want kind of want to have it done just so I don't have to like down the line try to like re-download it again and then all their games are going to come out. And I'm glad I did because the game that came out today was 87 gigs. So yep. I was like, <laughs> so it goes that was right back into the system. <laughs> exactly. So, but then as I was waiting for that app, I need a little bit of a palate cleanser. I did subscribe to PlayStation Plus Premium uh, because uh, they they had a deep sale during the holiday, and I was like, if you pay twelve bucks, you can have like the premium uh, all the way until June because that's when your renewal. I was like, yeah, I'll buy it and then cancel auto renew so that by the time I, uh, by the time we get to June eleventh, I don't have to like pay 120 bucks for this uh because it's like the upper tier that i bought because it was like a bigger sale than extra so i picked up a bunch of games from that was like i want to try them and then i saw that uh kingdom hearts Mel melody of memory was being offered 
and that was like oh that's the only kingdom hearts game that i haven't played yet other than the unchained unkeyed whatever mobile that, that mobile game nope. is and um. <laughs> yeah it's i tell you it's, it's just Kingdom I Hearts actually is, played it for a while too. That's the worst uh, yeah, part. Many have. It's like it's, because Kingdom Hearts are long suffering. It's like it's a suffering that just never ends. But I tell you, it's like Kingdom Hearts Melody of Memory was like the palate cleanser I needed. Like something just completely different than Valhalla. Yeah. And so wholesome because it's a rhythm game. It's like if you're playing like something like Guitar Hero, but it's kind of like a rhythm action game. Like where you have Sora and your two companions going through like a a music metronome and then you just have to like wait for some circles to hit and you press either the x or l1 or r1 button to like hit the enemies with what's there and sometimes the best way to do this is you're following the rhythm of the amazing kingdom hearts music this has been like a more than anything has just been like a reminder that's kind of what i asked you the question uh yesterday that i asked you late last night in regards to me about music oh oh yeah. that's right yeah um yeah. Because yeah, that and then something else was like, it just, to me, like, there's just something, my relationship to music in general was like, I started like, I woke something in me. Let's <laughs> just say something. I didn't really just say that. I mean, and the, the Kingdom Hearts soundtrack alone is like an immediate key. Oh, yeah. No, literally. Not literally. In our generation. Especially the first game. You don't realize um, how many bangers were in that first game. And the thing is that the entire music swath of the entire series is in this game. There are chapters of the entire series. I already finished all of Kingdom Hearts 1. I did all of Chains of Memories and I did a few of Kingdom Hearts 2. And then I was like, because you do have like an overworld. I was like, let me go further. How much is it? And just stage after stage after stage. I was like, oh my God, everything is here all the way until 3. <laughs> so I put it down after that. I was like, okay, that's a lot of levels. This was nice that to play because this is just a level-based thing to, that just was a great reminder. And I'll tell you this, like, this feels like a nice uh, alternative to revisiting the entire series. Because it's like, it's it's going through the early, like, badly designed levels of Kingdom Hearts 1. Does it actually you, summarize any of it? Or is it just... As, wow. you, as, as you finish the level, sometimes you get a cutscene that summarizes the thing. Oh, shoot. Yeah, so... So if it feels like instead of having to play how many hundreds of hours to replay all the games and all these side projects that all matter, you can play Memory of Melody as kind of like a just a, a rhythm-based uh, Cliff Notes version of the games. For so someone you're that already, they turned Kingdom Hearts 2 Little Mermaid stage into an entire game spanning the series. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> literally. Yeah, yeah, that's that sounds about right. But at the same time, it's like it sounds way worse than admittedly it probably is. When I saw it, I thought it looked awful. I'll just say yeah. it when when it was announced back in 2020. Playing it, there is something when you're actually playing it, you're like, damn it, I like this. It's like, this is actually more fun than I thought it would be. And it can sometimes be so, so challenging if you're trying to like get all the three stars on all levels. Like, go through this whole level just getting excellent. And, and because depending on your timing on when you get the, the dots yeah, you have to press, it can so. be like good, missed, excellent, excellent rainbow. There are some challenges that are like, get all excellent rainbows in this entire chapter. I, they did that early on in the Traverse Town. How many times did I hear that damn song trying to get, trying to get oh. around all that one next one? I, I hope her. you don't reach back around and no. hate the music oh, because no. of the I still love it, but it was so funny because it was like, as soon as I texted in her chat, I feel like trying to get all excellent in this Travis Town level has got to be my Bill and Oregon story. I beat it. I, I, right. I, I finished. I was like, okay, yes. <laughs> so, but I'm going to leave it installed as just six gigabytes. 
it's such a nice palette cleanser because it's just something of pressing buttons and enjoying amazing music and just getting the Kingdom Hearts story summarized. And apparently it's like canon. Whatever they reveal at the end is like... It technically it's also takes place after, after Kingdom Hearts 3. 3. So yeah. I was like... Their insistence of making every single piece of this damn series canon. It's infuriating. And I'm going to play all of it. <laughs> yeah. And then... I got another one. Yeah. And yep, I think we're getting a four whenever we get that. So, and real quick, uh, because we have Tears of the Kingdom coming coming this year, I'm actually going to do an entire Zelda, 3D Zelda playthrough, like to the side as we lead there, just to kind of be, I like replaying entries of before a new entry comes in. So I'm going to do that. Uh, I finished the Lane of Zelda Karina of Time on the Nintendo Switch Online. That was my first time beating it there. I love playing it there. Great, great version of that game that may not be uh, the super remastered like character models remade thing of the 3DS version that I think is like actually really cool. But if you have Nintendo Switch Online expansion pack, Zelda works really well there. And they did HD up a bunch of stuff. Obviously, a bunch of stuff doesn't hold up. They pre-rendered uh, uh, Hyrule Castle. Like when you're in the town, I sent you a screenshot. I was like, look at this. Uh, like, that looked horrible honestly <laughs> yeah but then some of the character models i'm like okay this definitely looked their age but i can play this and uh ocarina of time is still such a masterpiece of early adventure games this was the one that kicked it all off like in 3d that gave us the template for so many games to follow like i was i was i was playing it because i took my switch and my ps5 on my trip and i also got a little duck the one that i told you that was like so practical and I, I was playing it on, the, on my TV and my dad was watching me play. I was like, and he was like, man, a lot of games really started from here, right? There's just something kind of like there, there's something so historically important about Ocarina of Time that I love that can still like be felt now. And it's still a really good game with the exception that I really hate the Shadow Temple boss fight. That thing sucks. Uh, it's the, the ghost that it's like a boingo boingo or whatever the thing is called that is the one part of the game that I feel does, hasn't hold up with the control scheme. And the only time that I died playing in that game, but then the rest of that game is just so timeless. Like, I lo absolutely love the story, the vibe. It's so good, Ocarina of Time. Like, why do you have to be so good? And then uh, I also started playing Majora's Mask. That's also there. And Majora's Mask, I only beaten once on 3DS back in 2017. I remember I didn't really enjoy it as much as Ocarina of Time, but I thought it was cool. But replaying it now, especially now in its N64 version and really analyzing from back then, Majora's Mask is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant game. Such an ambitious thing that Nintendo was able to do in such a short amount of time and in such a small encompass, encompassing package also. Because this was going to be like a game they were going to put on a on a weird CD Philips uh, console that never came to be. So they had the game. So they just had to kind of like finish it up and put it in N64. And just the way that that game is so thought out with the time mechanic... And by the way, you're that gets so stressed with time mechanics. Don't be. If you play the, the Song of Time like backwards, you slow down. Like if you have like three hours for at the entire 72 hours to go, play that backwards, it takes you nine hours, basically, to be before the moon crashes on you. So it's like that that the whole aspect of uh, oh yeah, I have to do everything so quick because the time is going. As long as you play that song, it's like you get so much time to kind of like you you don't you, you don't 
Do, do you know what A lot of people, it's not even the the amount of time you have. It's just the fact that there is one. Yeah. And that's all it needs for me for some reason. Like, that's why I couldn't play Lightning Returns. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's why I couldn't play Mar Majora's Mask. And uh, Pikmin 1 mm -hmm. could not finish that. That one is the one that actually broke me because I tried and I failed. Oh, yeah, you, you lost the 30 days. <laughs> and, and that broke me because I was not a good gamer. And mm -hmm. I didn't pace out how many pieces I needed to get for all the 30 days you have and all mm -hmm. that nonsense. So. Yeah. Here we are. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like uh, with Majora's Mask that introduced that, I feel like it feels like that, but they allow you to manipulate it in such a way that it's not as stressful as you think. And yeah. it just, the tone is that game is so freaking weird. I was in hysterics, remember, like, because I had completely forgotten about it. Like, yeah. the Deku King, the Deku Princess, the Deku Butler, the monkeys, that whole thing with the Deku's, I, I was like crying laughing because the. The way the, they're ended because the, the the butler is like dressed like a butler, but it's a Deku. <laughs> it's like the king and um, and the princess with like looking like actual like Princess Peach, but it's a Deku. It's like the game is like the Nintendo was like, let's just be weird and let's do it. And I, I, had, I had not appreciated just how weird it was, especially because they reused so many assets. There's so many like NPCs from like the Hyrule Castle that are here in Termina. So. In, it's I, like this uh it's a sequel to ocarina of time yeah but there's these are supposed to be different characters that's what's so funny are they oh shit. yeah okay. but they're the same character models the uh, mask guy it's still the same and yeah. i freaking like the mask guy cracks me up because his animations are jumpy in a way that are that are so like comedic and especially because he's the one that helps you take out the deku mask because that's this game like blue balls you in the, in the beginning you think you're playing as link and then you you're stuck as a deku for the for, for, for the for the for the beginning and just when he, his big piano shows up always cracks me up because it's just a massive piano that shows up out of nowhere where he's at so i'm gonna i'm gonna keep playing it to the side because i definitely want to play all of them i want to get done for with that one because screw you nintendo i have to pull this up to play it i got my wii connected again because they refused us last Wind year waker on the gamecube oh man well, I guess I'll get to replay it as it originally was intended. Unfortunately, the Triforce Quest is going to suck. But uh, They're going to finally announce the Switch 2, and then they're going to finally announce Wind Waker on that. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. It was like, maybe they're just saving it there. But here's like, the more terrifying thought. They're going to wait until the Switch 2, because then the Nintendo Switch Online is going to have GameCube in it, and that's how they're going to put it. That's the only explanation I can think of right now, why they haven't announced it. So, Paul, <laughs> Plague Tale Requiem. A game yeah. that wasn't in any of your lists at all. I actually put it in the disappointment category for me because uh, not because I was saying it was bad. It's just that I was disappointed that I wasn't compelled to really play it compared considering how much I love Innocence. As I was playing Valhalla and I was in the in Siege of Paris, the aesthetic was like this looks like Plague Tale. Yeah. This absolutely looks like Plague Tale, especially because you have to fight rats in Valhalla and in, in Siege of Paris. I was like. They even have a rat plague here. God damn it. I was like, you know what? Let's, I, I totally, I, I went back to it and then I told you to try to get back to it. You finished it. I'm on like chapter 10. And nope. I feel now where I'm at, if I were to redo my lists, this would definitely not be in, uh, in the disappointment care category, like objectively. Like I see where the game of the year 
conversation for this game happens because the second half of this game is actually fantastic. I don't know what happened to the first half. I the first half to me is boring. It was so hard to like stay engaged, but it also like picks felt up like a DLC prologue mm -hmm. that didn't actually connect to the game at all. Mm -hmm. Like you could have just started it from where I guess not going to try not to go into spoilers because mm -hmm. obviously you haven't finished it, but then most people listening won't have played it either. Um, certain things and certain characters are here and then they have to have a reason to leave and some kind of get replaced. And it's it just doesn't make sense why mm -hmm. it lines up. You can almost just say, hey, something real quick happened. These characters are separated. All right, here we go. Mm -hmm. um, you could have that in like a five minute conversation instead of rather than like three or four hours of the game. Or like this, like just do you remember how this game starts with you and Lucas and all that? And then the yeah. whole thing with the bees. And yeah. then there's like the big fire thing that happens at the beginning. Gosh, I forgot the bee thing even happened. Because that that's so early. Yeah. yeah. Maybe oh. do that and then jump to this point. Yeah. And and then just live in incidental dialogue. A bunch of stuff that happens there. That is so incidental. Yeah. And in, in the grand scheme of things of where you end up. I think the concept that um, breaks me up about it is that they try to do a bait and switch on you twice in the same game the same exact way. Where it's, hey, don't worry. This place is safe and walk through it spend the whole day like meeting these new characters and npcs it's it's great this is a whole new change you're with the order it's fine and then obviously the rug gets pulled out from under you and then they try to do it like four hours later the exact same way where it's we're on this island mm -hmm. there's a place they know who you are it's safe it's mm -hmm. great and then it's like almost the exact same way you figure out oh hey look it's it's not great mm -hmm. who would have thought i'm shocked yeah <laughs> it's like it, like there's no mystery because i was just like all right i'm waiting for this to like have some really dark twist all of a sudden because mm -hmm. it just happened exactly yeah yeah it they, just doesn't make sense <laughs> yeah it, the, the thing is that asobo the, the the devs they had pride themselves that they make games with no filler no bullshit it's like the first half of this game is filler like honestly and uh even though ironically just in chapter count it's the same amount of chapters as the first game but the first game was so immediately compelling this one was not it felt like more of the same in not a bad way but not in an exciting way and yeah. and, and especially that to me was like how, how i always said it was that uh what i liked about the gameplay of the first plague tale was that the entire vibe of that game is like you have to survive is that you have to survive. You're like this fragile character with her with her little brother trying to escape the whatever inquisition that's happening there. And the gameplay was tuned to that kind of survival. This one wants you to be a little bit more... Uh, bloodthirsty. More bloodthirsty, like more violent and more like action-y. But I don't feel like the gameplay mechanics, especially as they were early on, supported that so i found like a bunch of the early especially in chapter six where you got you got so many wide open areas with so many enemies but without many tools to really fight them i found those part those, those parts as a stealth fan kind of unbearable until more tools started unlocking to me right now that now that uh because chapter nine was when that entire game completely turned turned around for me that wide open area and the to be able to explore in a way that didn't feel like so linear, I feel like an evolution. And I was able to fully upgrade my crossbow that you get in the fifth chapter. And now I can like recycle my bows and I can like kill all of them from stealth. And that feels nice for, because I'm like, I wish you had done that. Like, especially if your intent is for Amicia, your character to be more bloodthirsty, give her the tools to do that. 
Yeah, so, and the storyline very much, uh, especially later on, goes to the two a point to show how bloodthirsty Amicia has grown to the point mm -hmm. that other characters are calling her out on it. And now I can see later on with hindsight how mm -hmm. gameplay uh reflects that mm -hmm. but just like you said it's like they shifted in the tone and the style of how they want you to tackle the problems without mm -hmm. giving you the tools to deal with said new problems mm -hmm. and i think that's where it was really dropping for both of us because it's like i've mm -hmm. got like all of these five different methods of slingshot mm -hmm. none of which take out any enemies mm -hmm. <laughs> like one of which actually stuns them correctly mm -hmm. and then it's like what do you want me to do besides try to sneak away or run for my life mm -hmm. and it's like if that's the point then that's one thing but they're very clearly pushing you to just like cut your way through this group mm -hmm. uh, of enemies yeah However, they, didn't, um, they didn't get the balance right early on i feel now we're i'm at the point where I, i'm feeling that balance it came way too late in the game but it did but i think um especially since you haven't completely finished mm -hmm. the game i think it's really funny because of how much of a 180 the game does at that chapter that you were mm -hmm. at that you kind of made it past that point it like another shoe drops in the plot line and uh -huh. it's just a completely different game after that point. oh yeah and it's just um is the pictures i, I sent you right with the red robes everything from that point onwards yeah there's there's something after that um like mm -hmm. a specific place on that island where there's a lot of plot revelations and like exposition that i had to kind of explain to you that wasn't really clearly explained to me because uh -huh. a lot of the characters acted like they knew that already mm -hmm. um which i won't get into obviously but there you go into like a tower kind of descend into it and it's very like things shift after that point um but I, I'm just glad that you're enjoying it even before that happened because it took me until after that, that point that I'm mentioning that it really clicked off for me. Um, yeah, to me, yeah. like the game started coming together once uh, you got the power to control the rats to eat people. Like yeah. it goes into like first person. I was like, okay, I got my offensive option. And then that chapter with uh, Arnond, whatever the Arno, game, the, Arnon, uh, yeah. Arnond or something like that. The guy that to me was like, this is basically the hound from from game of thrones and him and you being able to like coordinate with him in this in a section of you go hit him and then he goes fight with them and sometimes you can like distract them with the slingshot and was like, i really like that concept honestly mm -hmm. and i wish the game did that more yeah honestly eventually they do do that with sophia the esmeralda looking uh chick but it's in a very different way mm -hmm. um where one of they both have very like fitting abilities for their character and i do like that that's a mm -hmm. that that is a thing um i just do wish that there were moments more with uh, arno mm -hmm. and like hey go attack this guy that i clearly can't deal with i'm gonna go slingshot everybody over your shoulder mm -hmm. so you can take that guy out um and it was just it felt great because you were just like the support character behind this dude just and and down. more and more fitting to the game's tone towards we have to kill these guys exactly so. and it's like you get that benefit of hey i'm not constantly running for my life or having to do stealth i'm just sending this guy out and then i can help in a more guns blazing style of gameplay yeah. um so i'm glad that they at least instituted that yeah. but i'm liking now where uh where it is because when we're recording i was hoping i was going to finish this game so we could at least try yeah, to yeah. talk about the end about we have to record early in the week because of some because now you're in packing mode so some things are gonna have to be shifting a little bit, but uh, I'm just glad that I finally like it. Finally, because that was my thing was that this was my second most anticipated game of last fall, just behind God of War Ragnarok. So the fact that I didn't love it initially, I was like, damn it, I wanted to love you. 
I think I'm getting close to loving it now where I'm at because I had to stop myself from playing yesterday because it was getting too late. I was like, it's it's finally. I, I feel I, I'm feeling the pull finally. And I, I cannot wait. I hope that you continue to play it after we record because oh, no, I, 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 I want to talk am. so much about everything. that I happens. am because I don't want this hanging with me because this other game I'm reviewing also. So I kind of want to get this done yeah. so I can just focus on that and have that my review by done by later. Uh, and it by goes later quick. Week. Like I think if you started from here by the end of tonight, you would probably have finished it, mm -hmm. if not be very close to it. Or by so tomorrow. At least it's so. like it's a nice bite-sized game mm -hmm. that it's like it does it. Even though it feels like the early part was filler, it does get out of your way mm -hmm. with feeling like a very satisfying storyline. Yeah, and I can see why a lot of people started like really praising it. Now where I'm at, I'm seeing that it's like I wish they were. They had been more open about like, hey, the early parts are kind of slow. Just be careful because I was hearing so much praise going into this one. But uh, one game we haven't been hearing praise at all. In fact, has been clowned on almost since that 30 second clip of from like last year for Spoken Paul. Uh, the first officially big game of the fall. It's currently at a 68 on Metacritic and it has reviews all the way from the nines to the fives. Uh, we start. Uh, just started playing it last night. I started playing it this morning because for some reason the game, I forgot. Like I had put it to download and I paused it by accident. So by the time I hit like eleven, I was like, "Why am I? Why is this not working?" I was like, "One gigabyte of eighty-seven. I was like, "Are you kidding me?" So I had to. I had to late it. Uh, I, I had to uh, wait for it to download. You did play it. Uh, I think we played the same amount. I just played it this morning. Yeah, you I play played a little bit more after you finished playing mm -hmm. today. Yeah. Um, but not by much, just to get kind of an uh, idea mm -hmm. of it all. But yeah, what, what were your thoughts on everything so far? I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll i say this, because there, it's very easy to clown on and the out of context, uh, just 30 second clips of the cringy dialogue. And some of this dialogue can be cringy. Very much In so. its majority, though, I'm like, I'm enjoying this like I'm enjoying a Marvel movie. Like... I'm just being honest. Yes, it has some F-bombs here and there. But I'll tell you, some of the F-bombs used in this game, freaking funny. Like, yeah. so, like it's it, it can be it can be real funny. I was like, hi, I wasn't expecting to get a chuckle out of this. Mm -hmm. And it's feeling very wholesome. It's a, it just it has a nice it is a game that has just like such a nice vibe to it. It's like I'm just having, I'm just having fun with it. Like if I'm perfectly honest, like yeah, I messed. Uh, I messaged you about it when I was realizing it myself, and it's that it's got the same energy, both in dialogue and in the start of the plot, as uh -huh. Peter Parker Spider Man. Like mm -hmm. the way that it plays out with kid in New York that's down on their luck, mm -hmm. getting kind of beaten up and <clears throat> taken advantage of, but is just so snarky that they hide any of their fear with comedy. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, I would close my eyes and I could hear Frey mm -hmm. bantering back and forth. And it just felt like something Peter Parker would do as he was like, just one liners over and over again. Mm -hmm. And even down to like the connection she has with the judge mm -hmm. was like actually really nice. The connection yeah. she has with her cat. Is, no, the, is the, like, the whole the, the thing with cat is like because I saw Gene Park mention in his review and yeah. the relationship with the cat is whole is the whole thing, especially if you're a cat owner, mm -hmm. the way like afraid cares about her cat and thinks about her cat a lot. 
And I, I like when the motivation that starts a plot continues to stay through. Like, you know, you have most stories where it's like, oh, I got to get back home to my parents. But then after they leave, they like just never mention mm-hmm. any reason for why they want to get back. But it's kind of nice to like be reminded of like, yeah, don't forget, we're still trying to go somewhere and there's a reason to return. And it helps that it's a very adorable cat that you're trying to get back to. And you're like, mm-hmm. I need to get back for Homer. Damn it. I need to make sure that cat's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, now I'm motivated to play this game. Yeah. But uh, yeah, to your point about like the dialogue briefly, the context is really super important because I was telling you where mm-hmm. some of the things, uh, the two main viral the, uh, so- scenes did, that we did, saw. Did I, did, did I just do that scene basically? Yeah. Um, which was, as I mentioned to you, it was a setup for a punchline in a different scene entirely mm-hmm. and made it so much funnier in mm-hmm. the hindsight because she tries to respond to the same thing uh-huh. in the same way and then some, the cuff calls her out on it. It's just like, you're an idiot. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, that's that's not uh-huh. the case. Um, and just the back and forth between some of it's kind of dumb. Like I had a few, even with the minimal uh, dialogue, mm-hmm. it came up twice. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, are y'all serious? Is that why this is a thing? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, sure, you probably, I wish you would stop talking about the same things every mm-hmm. 30 seconds but overall yeah. yeah that's the problem because that was in the demo also that especially if you go explore outside just like do going through yeah. the main stuff that's where a lot of that dialogue repeated and in the demo where the game was like so devoid of like the main narrative that was a little bit more unbearable uh on top of that when i played that demo last december the hdr was broken so it was yeah. like it was just a whitewash. I sent you a screenshot of how it looked. That was just giving me like it was shocking too. Yeah, because I don't think I had that problem because I you didn't pl- play it on HDR. Exactly, you played it on a monitor, so you, yeah. so that was you you played it looking better for you. And uh, the HDR has been fixed. In fact, they patched the demo. I played the demo last Sunday just kind of because I saw why did you patch the demo? Well, I'm gonna try it. And then when I I tried it and I played the full demo, that's when I was like, I actually I'm vibing with this because if I, it really hit me that. This really is Magic Infamous. Like it, it, it feels like it has that kind of vibe. Yeah. Like especially because you start with the shooting uh, magic, and it feels and, just like the lightning, doesn't it? Exactly. Yeah, I was like, yeah, this is just like Infamous. And uh, when you're like speeding, when you press circle around mm-hmm. and doing the parkour, it's like this reminds me of when you have the fetch power and in Infamous Second Son and even First Light, the Neon power, you're just, just speeding through. And if you go to the option gameplay option to like recover stamina quicker, it allows you to like be able to parkour much quicker uh, without yeah. any penalty. I and also I'm like, did the um, oh the there's auto dodge? accessibility, not the auto dodge, but it's like you don't have to keep holding the dash button and then let go and then hit it again. Oh, just uh, press it. Just it auto like mm-hmm. you stay moving at the fastest speed. And that felt so much better. And the mm-hmm. same thing with um, doing the parkour up a wall mm-hmm. where it just automatically tries to teleport you up it instead of you having to like mash the circle button to constantly manually do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just felt like that was a huge quality of life that almost makes me wish that it was just by default because a lot of people aren't going to notice mm-hmm. that because yeah. nobody goes into the options to like change the way the game works because they think oh well they made it a certain way for a reason but you should like doing that method. but right now i'm doing it because it just makes the game even more fun 
Yeah. And, uh, and there were a few other things that I changed, like where the HUD was, because um, I wasn't liking parts of where it was. Mm -hmm. um, there's some things about like the auto aim that were kind of messing me up mm -hmm. and the camera when you aim and stuff. But anyway, it's just, it's all a lot of like things that you can tweak and mess around with. And I was really enjoying myself, especially once I got out into the world mm -hmm. that I was like, I'm just flying at the speed of light. And yeah. I'm just... The gameplay of this game, I feel like this reminds me a lot of Valkyrie Elysium that the gameplay is carrying a lot of it. However, unlike Valkyrie Elysium, I'm digging the story. I'm actually yeah. digging. I'm actually digging the narrative. And there's some like the way they do Isekai. There have been some that, some parts that I got into the genuine laugh at me. The uh, the one with the upstate. Oh. The <laughs> what uh, was that? Joke? Where she was like, "Oh, this is the part of the city where all the money goes." And Frey goes, uh, "Ah, the Upper East Side." And she goes, "Actually, this is the North part of the city." <laughs> And just, which is funny little, if you know her like as that. from New York because Upper right. East Side of New York is where the rich people are. And so. A lot of stuff like that. I and mean, there was one that you had said earlier, uh -huh. um, and just like diff things down to the vocabulary differences uh -huh. between the worlds that they have. But then at the same time, sometimes they kind of understand things. Um, mm -hmm. But it's it's just full of charm, honestly. I really yeah. thought it was going to be this one note character, yeah. and that was about it. But like they've already kind of shown me a lot of interesting people. Yeah, to this is again the Stranger of Paradise first trailer problem. Remember, it's and the <laughs> uh, if I had a nickel for every time Square Enix gave me a weird character outside of their normal fantasy realms that's uh -huh. just tired with the BS of all the fantasy <laughs> people around them, I would have two nickels. Which yeah. isn't a lot, but it's weird that it's happened twice in two years. I know. <laughs> and that is the best way I could describe the yeah. weird parallels between Forspoken and Stranger. Yeah. And I feel the reason why I feel a lot of people had even harder on Forspoken was that because Forspoken has been like in the conscience mind since like 2020 when it was just Project Athea. Mm -hmm. And Stranger of Paradise, we only had to dwell with it for like less than a year. Like it was like it was revealed in June and it was out in March the next day. So there has been like it's just been like three years. It's been like positioned as like a big marquee title. So those things like that. Um, and I feel like it's kind of dialogue is feeling more in contrast with the fact that uh, a lot of uh, a lot of people are like this is Whedon esque dialogue from yeah, Joss Whedon. And this and is like the perfect slash perfect storm of mm -hmm. people starting to look very critically on Marvel movies after mm -hmm. the sort of middling reviews of like Thor 4 and uh -huh. all the other stuff that I'm not even thinking of right now but mm -hmm. I, I think that kind of primed people to look kind of like unjustifiably harsh mm -hmm. on a lot of that kind of style of writing and dialogue and then this comes out really leaning into that and everyone's like oh look it's another example of the Whedon dialogue I and mean, that's like calm down guys bring it down like we can still have quippy silly characters that's why you love comic books still yeah. chill out a bit that does that, that was the thing like i feel like there, there's just a lot of hang ringing over this dialogue that i'm like if you're about to start being like this critical about it i don't want to I, I don't want to hear any excuses from anything from marvel going from here on out that does equip stuff like if the, if this is the position we're, we're taking because i'm enjoying that like i'm i'm literally really enjoying forspoken especially after i was dreading it after my initial uh, part of the demo and having committed to season gaming that I was going to do the review for them. And I'm actually excited to keep playing more because it's been, I learned that it's 15 hours. The campaign, like if you just mainline, is 15. You can get more out of it if you do all the side stuff. But in fact, Gene Park from the Washington Post, he actually recommends you mainline and then do all the side stuff because mainline is how you get all the powers. 
so that you oh, don't okay so it's it... not because uh, there's a few that are like go to this area and you get this spell mm -hmm. but um that was gonna ask like how do you get all the cool elements yeah just keep just like keep that. doing main stuff he said okay. and uh, that's good and especially because if not you're gonna run into it because this happened to me with infamous second son that i did all this side stuff before completing the main story and at the end of that uh game you get a rock power yeah and then there was nothing to do in the game exactly so it was like if i had known that there was going to be that rock power i would have mainline first and but then it depends on the game so mm -hmm. it's not even like it's justified that you did that because a lot of games go okay you have to finish all the side stuff before you play the main mm -hmm. final mission or you don't get to play any of the cool yeah. side stuff yeah it's but like infamous didn't give you process. infamous didn't give you like uh a warning of like this is the point of no return the game just yeah. kind of ends and then you just could do all these side activities that is just collectibles and destroy cameras and like and places this is very quick stuff and uh i wish i had known because the rock powers are so cool it's like it sucks that it, it was, was kind of dope honestly uh, yeah they, they were locked away so gene said that uh, forspoken has that kind of similar problem which is ironic because the game just feels like infamous like game gameplay wise so this will be one that at least because of review purposes i want to kind of get it done yeah. Uh, as soon as I can, especially because Dead Space is coming out this Friday. Yeah, so, so you don't have a whole lot of time to just yeah. kind of blast through. Yeah, but I, the thing is, that I, the good thing with Dead Space is that I'm not reviewing that, so I have a little bit more freedom. Uh, In for, Dead Space, unless they added a whole lot of stuff, I don't think it's a very long game either. No, so they could be like, a, a nice pilot cleanser. Yeah. Every way. But I would say, like, I'm more surprised that I'm enjoying First Book and more that I did. And the thing is that even before the reviews hit, because I played in December, uh, last, this last Sunday, the demo, I was like, yeah, I think of like if the gameplay holds a side of the bargain, it's like at least from a gameplay perspective, I'm really enjoying this and it's bearing fruit. I'm just surprised that I'm actually digging the story. Like dialogue and all. Like I'm getting legit chuckles out of it. And even though visually this game can be very mediocre at times, there are parts that visually is stunned. Like I feel I feel the, the battle against the dragon. I feel that like this game, like this the effects of the powers and the particle effects, that's where the power of the visuals are in this game. And in a certain look in, this, in specific environments, because otherwise they can be bland at times. And especially if you're playing in the performance mode, it's like, it can be very pixelated. It was kind of what we are talking about Jedi Fallen Order, that it had like a low resolution that you notice a lot with like the hair. Like the, your cat is a pixelated mess in performance it's mode. really funny <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, but... I didn't even really hate it all that much, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, That's the thing. I feel it looks fine. I feel like it's not that great a looking game, but I don't think it's a bad looking game either. Yeah. I was, especially the clip that I showed you. I don't know how it was. Is that a dog? That, that was the dog briefly yeah. trying to run through. <laughs> um, yeah. But, but, yeah, yeah. It's, but, but yeah, it's like... I'm enjoying it. I can't wait to finish it and see more, especially because I heard that the story of this game actually like takes a turn later on. So yeah, I definitely heard that as well and made me think I actually want to pay attention to all the storyline that's going on. But, exactly. Yeah. And um, as milk and toast and like as traditional isekai story as it can be, I'm having fun with it. At least I'm, it's, I'm finding it enjoyable. And the banter she has with the cuff is like it can be so dumb, but it it has led to some of my bigger laughs. Like, and sometimes that's all you really need is if it's dumb but it makes you laugh is it really dumb yeah and the thing is that if you're uh skeptical because this is a 70 dollar game hmm. definitely wait for a sale i could say like yeah. def definitely definitely get it on a sale if you if, if like if you're not if you if you think you can buy with the powers and i think say get it now because i would say like from a combat perspective it definitely feels unique compared to everything else because we don't have a magic based games 
Like, do you do magic combat like this? Think or think about it. what was the last one? I can't think of one. So I think it has that novelty going for it. And uh, Lich to Battle Mage. <laughs> six years ago. Yeah, and that's again, the last game that... time they had like an actual like here's magic go crazy. Mm -hmm. and yeah, that's not Skyrim. Sucked. Yeah. And Skyrim was 2011. <laughs> so, and Elder Scrolls Online. So it has that going for it. But if the if the rest of the package seems iffy for you, definitely like I can recommend it like as soon as it gets a price cut. But it's something that I'm not like avoid this. This is not a piece that the uh, no. Like this is not even close to being trash. If like, you think like... it's going to be good, it probably will be for you. Mm -hmm. uh, especially if the gameplay has your interest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's usually like gameplay is king. So if that's the one that like can carry a package, I'd say definitely that the, the core of the meat. Maybe the saucings are not <laughs> the, the saucing is not quite there yet. But enough of what we've been playing, Paul. Let's take a little break before we go into a few news. And we're back from the tiny little break, Paul, and we're finally like, we're starting the first news from the year for us, which is a few of them, but we probably it's, will go fast for them. So. I had like a backlog of news for all the things that happened before we got started. Yeah, and I left up so many also. So, Paul, press X. For some news. And here I am cutting in because uh, the episode that we recorded was recorded two days early than usual and I miscalculated and didn't realize that the Microsoft uh, and Bethesda Developer Direct was actually on Wednesday when we usually record. So Paul wasn't available for that, so I'm here just to cut in and just give a small recap of a really, really impressive first attempt for Microsoft to do a different kind of a showcase that is not their showcase on on basically uh, on June around E3 time. So this was this developer direct as I as teased by Aaron Greenberg back in December that was gonna be a thing and then confirmed earlier this month. It was gonna be a showcase about already announced games for in particular uh, that they were gonna give more details. It was gonna be Minecraft the the, um, the Minecraft Legends I think it was called uh it was going to be Forza, Forza Motorsport, the uh, more info on Redfall, and also Elder Scrolls Online. And then as, as soon as the showcase started, they said, no, we're also going to give a fifth a fifth game, which ended up being Tango Gameworks Hi-Fi Rush, a game that actually leaked the day before, ironically. It was going to be this like Jetsu uh, Radio-style Devil May Cry rhythm game. And... It was announced immediately and also released immediately on Game Pass on January 25th. Then uh, as for like the rest of the showcase, uh, they gave more details on the Minecraft Legends and uh, they announced a release date for April 18th, 2023. Oh, so available on everything and Game Pass. Then they showed a little bit more of Forza Motorsport. Unfortunately, this one that had a spring 2023 release window now it's just uh it just only have uh coming in 2023 re uh, release window so basically the, this can push it all the way to the fall which puts it away from like the promised these are the 12 games that i mean these are the games that are happening in the 12 months is uh, from showcase to showcase so there are rumblings that if you're looking at the coming 2023 uh, font it says that it may be coming in june 20 2023 which is ironic because that's the same day that the Elder Scrolls, the Elder Scrolls Online uh, 
the new expansion is going is supposed to launch on Xbox. So, but I wouldn't put it past Microsoft. Microsoft usually uh, likes uh, dumping a bunch of stuff like close to each other. So, who knows? Maybe they could surprise us with another release, but that they didn't have a solid release date. So I already mentioned the uh, Elder Scrolls launches on January 20, uh, 2023, the new expansion. And then they mentioned something about a limited uh, a limited time offer of like you'll be able to play all the expansions for free. I have to look at more details about that because that's the... Uh, I swore a lot of those was already part of Game Pass if you were already in the Game Pass subscription. But don't take my word for it. And then Redfall was like the big closer of the showcase. And a leaked May 2nd, 2023 release date ended up being true so this is gonna be coming to xbox game pass and pc uh, beginning in may 10 days before tears of the kingdom the game looks interesting you can definitely look at the gameplay there and uh now the eyes move towards uh the starfield showcase that they promised it was going to be like a sort standalone thing we didn't get any details of when it's supposed to come in i've heard that uh it's probably going to be somewhere in february there is like a rumored like media uh, show, like a, like a media event for previews that is being set for like March. So maybe it's going to be close, closer there, but who knows? So that was the uh, the Xbox and Bethesda uh, developer direct. Pretty good, I would say. Uh, for more of my thoughts on it, I'm going to be uh, again guesting at the single player experience with our with our buddy Sebastian Malden from that guest in our show. Uh, in, in in the last episode for the top 10 episodes uh he invited me over to talk over this showcase so definitely if you want to get more of my in-depth thoughts about that before i say anything in the next bottom afterwards with paul uh tune in this friday so back to like the real number one story all right paul back to the news grind with a story that will just never end i'll say this paul i'm just so happy that we didn't have a breaking news this this january of another big acquisition because remember that that started us off last year with the whole Activision Blizzard of it all rapid fire one two punch action with how often that was hitting for us so yeah, yeah. I I am absolutely glad that uh at least for the holidays while we were gone it seemed like they said hey the X button stopped guys let's yeah. just chill out so let's just chill out for a little bit and uh now it continues because we, we, since the FTC sued them now we know that uh this thing's gonna go for even longer, but this one was funny because it's actually a genius in Microsoft's part to kind of like defend their case. So our story number one by Tom Ivan from BGC. Microsoft has subpoenaed PlayStation for its defense against the FTC lawsuit. The Xbox- I will point out that this article actually misspells the word defense too. Yeah, <laughs> it's so funny <laughs> for its defense against FTC yeah. lawsuit. The Xbox maker wants Sony to divulge information on its business. According to a court filing, the Xbox maker wants Sony to divulge information it believes is relevant to its case, which may include confidential details that Sony would be reluctant to share with its rival if possible. Negotiations, be negotiations between SIE and Microsoft as to the scope of SIE's production and discovery schedule are ongoing, the filing reads, referencing unspecified documents it has requested. Following a week-long extension, Sony has until January 27, this Friday, to move to limit, squash, or otherwise respond to the subpoena. In December, the FTC announced plans to sue Microsoft in a bid to stop its $69 billion acquisition of Activision Blizzard, which the regulator argues would enable the company to suppress competitors to its Xbox console, subscription content, and cloud gaming business. Among other concerns, the FTC and Sony have expressed worries that the deal could significantly reduce PlayStation's ability to compete, given that it would see Microsoft gain ownership of the Call of Duty series, 
which Sony has called irreplaceable. In the response to the FTC's complaint, Microsoft and Activision have argued that their merger would be pro-competitive and benefit consumers by making Call of Duty Publishers games more broadly available. In, in, in a bid to address regulatory concerns, Microsoft recently said it has offered Sony a 10-year legally enforceable contract to make each new Call of Duty game available on PlayStation the same day it comes to Xbox. The FTC said earlier this month that there has been no substantive settlement talks with Microsoft over the proposed acquisition. If it goes to trial, the case will be judged during hearings set to take place in August 2023. Washington making it on August 16, 2023, so it can be a birthday present for me. <laughs> I I can't believe how funny this uh -huh. one is, where it's like, not only are we trying to acquire all this and the FTC is suing us, we're going to try to get confidential information from our rival mm -hmm. by giving them a legally actionable subpoena to say, mm -hmm. hey, you have to uh -huh. give this up. And Sony's like, the hell you don't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no. I... I can't believe this is real. It just, it feels like two <laughs> second graders, except they have trillions of dollars in their pockets mm -hmm. where they're just like, nah, -uh, I'm going to tell on you about this thing you did. That was really bad. And then I'm going to tell all the internet about it. Hmm. Yeah. And, and here's the thing, like micro, why this is kind of brilliant in Microsoft's part from my perspective is that, uh, Sony has been one of the biggest objectors from his deals. Other publishers have been like, yeah, whatever, yeah. let, let it go through. And they have been making the kind of bad faith arguments in regards to how a Call of Duty exclusivity would be so damaging, which the hypocrisy knows no bounds for a company like Sony, whose PlayStation roasted dominance because of exclusives. So by subpoenaing them, the, the people that are constantly objecting towards this deal is going to put Sony like in a like, and, and if they have to like comply to the subpoena, they will have to go on record why exclusivity is such a problem when they're the company that has made their bones on exclusivity and that's going to be like if there's a subpoena they're going to have to be put in front of a jury if if, it's, if this goes to like a trial and then everyone's going to hear the hypocrisy of sony's cries towards towards all of this so i don't want to say more of this but it would be funny if it actually happens and sony has to take the stand and especially because if they tend to stand and goes in, and because sony has made exclusivity deals with activision if it goes into Discovery, all those emails have to go out there. And that's what's always so funny about Discovery, all the things that you can uncover. Yep, I'm yeah, sure they are happens. not happy about that in the slightest. And I, I agree. Like, even though I hate a lot of this stuff, mm -hmm. the fact that Microsoft is like, okay, so you, you've been causing such a stink. You have been aiming against us this whole time. Prove it. Mm -hmm. prove that this is going to ruin you and give uh -huh. us all that information and mm -hmm. then they're like wait wait hold on hold on <laughs> right <laughs> wait, all right maybe we got a little too crazy there maybe. but God, that's what i'm telling I, you that, that's what i'm telling you that's why it's so it's like yep bring sony they bring sony to this like bring everyone that objected to this to come say their piece and explain why it's a problem i feel microsoft has made it very clear be like, hey, we're gonna give you ten years of Call of Duty in an enforceable contract. Yeah. So, and Sony, Sony, like with crying Jim going to Brussels last year to go cry about this deal and all of that. It's like, look, to be fair, it's like crying Jim made some waves, and a lot of like the big regulatories over the EU, the UK, and all this are objecting now. Yeah. And, and it's FTC even sued, even though a lot of people, even lawyers, like uh, 
Rick Hogue, the the lawyer that we always mentioned that unfortunately he suffered a stroke recently and he's is like in recovery. So he has missed all of this stuff. And I love hearing a legal analyst perspective of this, like in an unbiased way. That's kind of why I miss him a lot. But yeah. God God bless him on his recovery. He says by March he thinks he can be back. Uh but he had mentioned that from how he sees it, the FTC doesn't really have a true case to stand against this. Like a, like a legit uh Oh yeah, it's like we got you. Like by suing you, we, we can we can stonewall stop this. Uh, especially if it goes to like a federal court, I feel like of everything that Microsoft has been saying is like has has felt more pro-consumer because they like pretending to be the good guys, even though they really aren't. Like story number two, uh, by uh, Wesley LeBlanc from Game Informer. Microsoft lays offs. 10,000 people amid ongoing Activision Blizzard acquisition. Microsoft has laid off 10,000 employees. This news comes from a Bloomberg report detailing that Microsoft's layoffs come as the company attempts to reduce costs amid a larger economic slowdown. These layoffs come amidst Microsoft's ongoing fight against the FTC to acquire Call of Duty makers Activision Blizzard for a staggering $69 billion. Bloomberg reports that some people at Bethesda Game Studios, which is hard at work and getting Starfield ready for its release sometime in the first half of this year, were laid off. But that Halo Infinite developer 343 Industries was hit hardest in the company's portfolio of game studios. According to Bloomberg, Microsoft has plans to hire in strategic competitive areas like AI, but that other tech-focused de departments like HoloLens and some engineering divisions were hit by, by these layoffs. Microsoft has not yet revealed exact numbers and specific departments surrounding this massive wave of layoffs. Another tech giant, Amazon, is in the middle of its own string of layoffs as the company aims to reduce its workforce by 18,000. The hearts of Game Informer staff are with all of those who are affected by this layoffs they mentioned. I believe we could say our heart goes for everyone that's been laid off, but I will say this is like, yes, the, the way a company handles their money can be different, but man, is it like a horrible optic game that these layoffs are happening for Microsoft as you're still trying to fight this. It's like, you're trying to fight for this company that has had like the, that sexual harassment and you're muted, Paul. Ooh. Yeah. Am I here? Yeah. <laughs> there, yeah, there you Bye. are. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but kind of like I was saying, um, it, it just looks bad. Even though like right now, especially like when the, when the Microsoft layers happened, it looks so bad because yeah. uh, because of the optics. But then like that's when immediately after we heard of Amazon, now we know of Google. And now we know of other stuff. Like for example, Giant Bomb laid off a couple people recently. Uh, to just today, the Washington Post like destroyed Launcher. Their gaming, like their gaming sub... Uh, Subdivision, even though like a uh, a favorite writer so far is from there, Gene yeah, Park remains there. But now it just in over in style. Like my thoughts go to all those people that got laid off from from, from the launcher. It's like it's like it, it looks really bad that Microsoft is still willing to want to absorb this company that has thousands and thousands of employees, and just based on the market valuation that we know that Microsoft has, like. Did they really need to lay off that many people? Even though that was only like five percent, like that's just the the that's fact a... that the first choice they make is to cut off the livelihoods of thousands upon thousands of people instead of taking a little bit less profit is really telling, honestly. And I I know that like there's always more going on behind the closed doors, blah blah blah. There's other things like they we've tried all the avenues and this is the only thing. It's like, okay, whatever. The fact is, still, 
no matter what you justify how you justified it or what you decided on this is still really bad for all the people that have mm -hmm. probably moved across the country or the world to work for your company for you to just kind of shut them off like that mm -hmm. and the, the fact that that is okay to just cut off for so many people is just it's borderline just unacceptable completely i mean these people were working on things that are already going to help your company like mm -hmm. just to point out the ai uh i was gonna say the bethesda game studios people mm -hmm. where it's like they're about to finish a game that's going to make you millions especially if like, it hits like if, yeah. if it hits like skyrim that just gets selling forever you're, you're hurting you're actively hurting your ability to make profit by shutting off these people who are in the last stages of development mm -hmm. why like how far how many levels of separation are you at where you're just like looking at things on a sheet of numbers and saying ah, it doesn't matter if that's kind of close they can they can make do with whatever's left because mm -hmm. that's not how that works in the game development industry because that's not just people at an assembly line that's people with dozens of years of experience being lost in the blink of an eye because you just wanted to save some money mm -hmm. and it's all just very short-sighted look yeah. of like somebody showed me a really bad looking google sheet mm -hmm. and uh we panicked mm -hmm. but yeah what were you gonna say yeah to me like microsoft is one of the few companies that i have little sympathy with saying that they're trying to save money when they're valued so high yeah. like and that they're willing to eat massive amounts of shit let's just call it like it is on game pass especially when we know that subscription services are lost leaders it's rare for a subscription service to like be profitable and i don't care what they keep saying is like they have the fact that they don't give you specific numbers of how much profit they make out of game pass like even just a tiny amount that just tells you that they're really not a they're they're not a, they have enough money to like stay in non-profit ventures and yeah, and, and just the fact that they're still trying to get this uh, this deal go going with uh, with Activision Blizzard in the midst of like those layoffs, like anyone that keeps telling me that like, Microsoft is just a good guy, fuck you. So, <laughs> like literally, uh, I will say though that uh, to me, like the one that's like not surprising if if a layoff was gonna be hit a place because of their performance, and it was gonna happen anyway, it was gonna be them. It was the three for three industry layoffs, which we heard that a lot of the single player. Um, uh, kind of like a team actually got laid off so if you're hoping that halo infinite was gonna have uh its promise like expansion the 10 year life service plan for the 10 next 10 years of halo sorry like no like not gonna, not gonna happen i'll say that the multiplayer especially now that forge is live yeah. it feels like they have now doubled down on multiplayer there but a lot of uh, rumors and from, from, from like sources that have proven correct in the past had mentioned that apparently like a rethink of how they're gonna approach Halo in the future was like planned around mid last year where uh, 343 no longer was gonna be the one just solely developing Halo they were gonna try to outsource more of it and uh, I can confirm that um, editor-in-chief from my uh, for, from the site that I work for uh, Season Gaming Ain Ainsley uh, he has a he's a, such a huge Halo fan. In fact, like he's such a huge Halo fan that uh, he actually defends Halo Infinite more than I have seen anyone defend Halo Infinite. It's actually funny. Uh, he corroborated some of like the sources with people that he knows that are in the know of the changes that are happening and the fact that a three four three decided to kind of like address those 
those things uh, makes it seem, especially the way they address it, made it seem like those those, those reports are actually true. So. Story number three following this, uh, by also Wesley LeBlanc from Game Informer. 343 Industries says it will develop Halo games now and in the future following layoffs. Despite rumors claiming otherwise, 343 uh, Industries will continue to develop Halo games following Halo Infinite. Microsoft laid off 10,000 people last week amidst the company's ongoing $69 billion acquisition of Activision Blizzard. The same day, Halo Infinite creative director Joseph Staten, who joined the studio in 2020 to help bring the game across the finish line, revealed that he was departing 343 Industries to rejoin Xbox Publishing. Some saw this as a final blow of source to Halo Infinite at 343 Industries, but there's no official indication that Halo Infinite's course is changing following these layups. Still, rumors on the back of her report claim that 343 Industries would no longer be developing Halo games, as other developers would do that in the future, while the studio served more as an overseer to the franchise. However, 343 Industries studio head Pierre Hintz was quick to get ahead of this rumor and posted a following on Twitter over the weekend. Halo and Master Chief are here to stay. 343 Industries will continue to develop Halo now and in the future, including epic stories, multiplayer, and more of what makes Halo great. Uh, I I studied PR. I saw many like damage control. Uh, yeah. Like, I was in the damage control class. Yeah. And reading this one, I think this is an easy way for you to confirm the rumors being so vague and such and, and, and like such quick succession i mean it didn't even say anything it didn't even give any details it just said hey we'll continue um what is it it is technically two lines mm -hmm. and it's just halo and master chief are here to stay mm -hmm. as like the intro and it's saying they'll continue to develop now in the future Epic stories, multiplayer, more of what makes Halo. That's all fluff. It's mm -hmm. like all that matters is we'll continue to develop Halo. And that's also like a promise that has no clarification. It has no actual bearing because mm -hmm. they can just change their minds after that yeah. easily. And this person doesn't even need to like matter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Pierre Hintz, he became the studio head after Bonnie Ross, who was a studio head for like 10 years. She left last year over a medical condition. I don't believe it. And uh, and, and let's just call it like that. It is like 343 Industries as a stewards for Halo. Really disastrous tenure. Um, yeah. It hasn't. We kind of talked about yeah, all that it, already. Yeah. It's like not all of it has been bad. Uh, I enjoy Halo 4. I, th I thought that campaign was great. The multiplayer, not so much. Yeah, Halo Five multi through it. Uh, yeah, that was a time, wasn't mm -hmm. it? Oh yeah, two years ago. Halo Five campaign sucked. Multiplayer was fun, but it wasn't Halo. Uh, Master Chief Collection launched horrifically, but now it's amazing. It's like, even though it took so long, but it's like they made sure to like keep hammering down at the sucker for it to be like an amazing collection of games now. Um, and then Halo Infinite launched relatively well. I enjoy the campaign. Multiplayer play really well. As a live service, I've never seen a more botched live service in a AAA space like Halo Infinite. Like, we're we're still in season two, Paul. <laughs> yes, there's a winter update that they launched to kind of like pad it out, but just imagine like two seasons in like two years. Yeah. It's like, and they're not and, and they're with Daddy Microsoft. So you ain't gonna tell me that you ain't, ain't have the resources. So yeah, that's never gonna fly. So I feel like those are those rumors that we heard that uh, that they're just gonna be more overseers that they're gonna kind of like just control like 
take control of the IP, but actual development of other stuff is going to happen elsewhere that was reported. This basically to me confirms it. Like if you wanted to like put it out on fire, you give more details than this. Just answering like this, this is just like damage control 101. And it's sad because the worst part, I do like Halo Infinite. I do like it. I know you soured on it, but I, I, yeah. did, I did enjoy that game a lot. But there, I, I the promise was a lot of charm, and mm -hmm. you're right. It was, it really was the promise, just like you were saying. And now it's, it, it almost sours more in some ways because if I go back, I'm just going to sit back, look out at the environment that they created, and go, man, it would have been nice to be able to go into that mountain range, huh? Mm -hmm. Or go into like a desert region, like they promised, or snow, and, or some snow. Well, yeah, exactly. It's just it. It makes me wish that they had actually followed through on any of what they did. Just just one mm -hmm. good like campaign slight expansion. Like even what they're doing now with like uh, it's a bad comparison probably, but uh, Cyberpunk mm -hmm. and the the new USA um, style DLC that they're doing. It's just the one expansion that's all they need. But if it does well, mm -hmm. who knows what happens? And I feel like this could have been one of those things where just like just create like a small sandbox of a different environment and just let people realize hey there's more to be done rather than kind of the nothing burger that was the campaign yeah and like, that's what makes it so sad because when i entered that campaign i was like the bones of the gameplay are so excellent you can't deny how amazing the grappling hook is in that game how transformative yes. it is to the, the the gameplay loop and how well it works in everywhere in that game how, like it attached to literally everything and how dynamic it can make the combat but in environment variety and even in story, it was just a throat clearing prologue. And I was just excited to be like, okay, we we flushed the toilet on Halo 5. Like we try to deal with that as much as we can. Here's your filler villain. And now we're setting for the endless. And now I'm like, so you literally have no idea how you're gonna follow it through. Now the single player team has been laid off and all this mess is happening. Like they should have never attempted to do this as a live service. I keep saying it over and over and over and over again. Live service is a kiss of death, and we're definitely gonna talk about more live service garbage later, Paul, but before, let's go crap on our favorite company. Story number four, also by Wesley LeBlanc. Ubisoft cancels three unannounced games, Skull and Bones delayed again. Uh, this happened way earlier, but we needed to talk about this. Uh, we had to at least bring it up, for yeah. sure. <laughs> Ubisoft has canceled three unannounced games. The company has revealed in its latest financial update. It has also delayed Skull and Bones, which has already been delayed several times in the past. Seven times, by the way. Uh, the company cites major challenges as the industry continues to shift towards mega brands and long-lasting titles that can reach players across the globe, across platforms and business models. It says that over the last four years, the strategy has been about building long-lasting live games and adapting our strongest franchises like Assassin's Creed, Far Cry, and Tom Clancy games like Ghost Recon, Rainbow Six, and The Division to converting trends to make them truly global brands. However, the games from this investment phase have yet to be released, while our recent launches have not performed as well as expected, the press release reads. Compounding, yeah. <laughs> Compounding this effect, in the context of worsening macroeconomic conditions, the trends over the holiday season, in particular the last weeks of December and beginning of January, have been markedly and surprisingly lower than expected. This overall context has triggered a full review of our revenue pro prospects, leading to increased cautiousness over the coming years. 
Considering this, combined with the significant additional investments that resulted from lockdown and new working patterns that have a profound impact on productions across the industry over the past three years, Ubisoft is announcing today a set of measures dedicated to strengthening its long-term growth and value creation. It's in those measures that Ubisoft reveals it has canceled three unannounced projects on top of the four already announced in July 2022, so they've canceled seven games. Referring to the cancellation of Ghost Recon Frontline, Splinter Cell VR, and two more unannounced titles last year. Ubisoft then reveals that Skull and Bones has been delayed a fifth time. It will now be released early 2023 and 2024. However, players will be able to play it soon, it sounds like, in the game's upcoming beta phase. As for why Skull and Bones has been delayed again, Ubisoft says the game needs more polish. The additional time has already paid off and brought impressive improvements to its quality, which has been confirmed by recent playtests, the press release reads. We believe players will be positively surprised by its evolution. We have decided to postpone its release in order to have more time to showcase a much more polished and balanced experience to build awareness. Elsewhere, elsewhere in the financial update, Ubisoft knows that it has de decreased its quarter 3 2022-23 net bookings target from roughly $892 million to about $779 million. The company again cites the more challenging environment, noting that big 2022 releases like Mario and Rabbids Sparks of Hope and Just Dance 2023 performed lower than expected. I'm going to send you a meme after we finish recording that mm -hmm. perfectly encapsulates this feeling that I have. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to put anyway, it in a post. And I'm going to put yeah. it like in post. So <laughs> That is, oh, it's, gosh, I cannot believe how Ubisoft does. They took that one line mm -hmm. where they say uh, a game delayed is eventually good but a rush game is always bad and mm -hmm. like they were just like well that's fine we're just gonna keep delaying it it it's, it'll eventually be good uh -huh. and at this point it's like i was actually really excited about skull and uh whatever it's called skull and bones, skull and yeah. bones. Uh -huh. i keep forgetting the name of the game because of how long it's been delayed and i I wanted to like it. I thought it's such a cool idea where you Jewel take the, the pirates. ship parts. Yes. Yeah. You, you take the ship part of Black Flag and then you make a multiplayer game out of it. It's like World of Warships, but pirate themed. And mm -hmm. I am, I would be so on that. But for some reason, you can't seem to balance it out right or something's not working right. I mm -hmm. don't know what, but man, it. <sighs> yeah, and here's a funnier part because uh, remember the Jeff Grob tweet that I sent you that apparently like they uh, they have gone around like trying to look for partners that would acquire them and yeah. they have been laughed out of the room. Yeah, that is yeah. that is the funniest part of all of this, I think, where it's like they are so desperate. Mm -hmm. My it's, in it's incredible, like just how f how far they've fallen, like. When you cancel seven games, that's a sign that you're in as trouble as you can be. And because then it's like, if they were canceled, like what's their pipeline now? Yeah, so obviously they're like, there's the Division Heartland that's coming. There's the Avatar game, the Star Wars. I'll just say this, Paul. Ubisoft started going to shit the moment they announced they're working on a Star Wars game. <laughs> Which just makes me <laughs> afraid that once again, a Star Wars project is not going to survive. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. So Star Wars really is a kiss of death, huh? It, it really is. is. <laughs> I mean, it's almost like, oh, jeez, I I can't even deal with it anymore. The, the yeah. way that I've been going through my mind with all of this is just, it's 
it writes itself mm -hmm. and it's just so dumb it just continues yeah the, they all they the literally ride won't stop yeah <laughs> like so they had the avatar game that had they have that uh that star wars game eventually because it will be made after the avatar game releases because it's the same developer right uh they have uh three assassin's creed that they announced the mirage uh red and hex they have the assassin's creed mobile game they have the division mobile game the rainbow six ge uh, mobile game uh I, I forgot to count the division heartland here because i mentioned earlier um that's it i'm like what else do you have they had to and, cancel everything else yeah and i'm like and if you start developing something right now it's like when is well and the, and the splinter cell remake and prince of persia remake the remake the prince of persia agreement it would have come out like two years ago that had to restart development yeah. uh oh man it's like to me it just makes it more sad especially because what game did i spend like 150 hours just recently it's like it's it makes me it, like it's they made this to themselves and oh uh, why did all of this fail what was the common factor of live service yeah tell a kiss of death Another game that will probably see a keys of death pretty soon. Story number one, two, three, four, five. Also by Wesley Leslie LeBlanc by Game Informer. Leaked image from Suicide Squad killed the Justice League seems to confirm live service elements. A new image from uh, Suicide Squad killed the Justice League has leaked and it seems to confirm that it will be a live service game or at least featured games as a service elements. This image, which you can view in the tweet below in the story from the 4chan forum, has been pulled down. Uh, has, as reported by Video Games Chronicle, which has also verified with sources that the image is real. The image appears to be Suicide Squad's start menu and features standard things like game mode selection, chapter select, difficulty, and matchmaking. It also features some menus to page through at the top, including a battle pass one. Under those top bar menus are what appears to be various currencies too. According to VGC sources, a battle pass is in fact planned for Suicide Squad, but it will be focused on cosmetic things like skins. The publication says it understands the currencies in the image to be XP used to power up and customize the skill trees for each anti-hero, effectively making them unique to the player. You don't start off the uh, rebuffed and weak, VGC sources told it. And you just start off great and can get ridiculous, like Arkham Knight's Batman. I want to pause for a second yeah. and just can look at that quote. Yeah. <laughs> you don't start off rebuffed, rebuffed and, and weak. weak. You start off great and can get ridiculous like Arkham Knight's Batman. Batman. <laughs> what? <laughs> it sounds like it was translated poorly from so who talks like this? Right? <laughs> you start off great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Arkham Knight developer Rocksteady Studio has revealed very little of Suicide Squad, leaving many to speculate on what exactly this game is, and it seems, as many expected, it will seemingly be a live service title, with the game due out sometime this year. Here's hoping Rocksteady starts giving us some more information soon. Is it full on live service title, or does it just feature elements of games as a service? When can we see a solid chunk of gameplay? When can we play this game? These are questions I hope get answered sooner or later. So, I agree with that. Because so many. Because this was, uh, it, it got its date, uh, the Game Awards. They, when they announced that uh, Kevin Conroy was voice Batman, that would be his like final performance uh, since he passed away. What a way to like take my excitement over seeing that we're, this was going to be the posthumous uh, final Kevin Con Conroy story with you watching it via the Suicide Squad perspective. And it's littered literally with all the elements that sunk the gameplay of Gotham Knights. 
Gotham Knights was clearly a live service that they took the live service element out but left all the currencies and menus in. You can't convince me it wasn't. Like, to me, like, the do the 10 night, uh, what was it, the night, uh, the night challenges to unlock the uh, uh, traversal mechanics for your four characters. Remember that? You had to, like, grind, like, 40 of those to get all your four I, characters to be able to fly. I could not forget. Yeah, so... That's like, those are the kinds of things you put in in live services because you want you want to like grind people's time into your game, like yeah. So that's why I feel maybe like what I believe is like maybe this game had all of this baked in and then they were not gonna do live service stuff. But the fact that they're doing a battle pass tells me that it's gonna it's definitely gonna have those those games as a service elements. And again, kiss of death. Like my excitement for Suicide Squad like plummeted. Watching that image, I tell you. And actually, I was wondering when they showed the gameplay, not uh, this past Game Awards, the Game Awards before, that looked like Sunset Overdrive. I was like, this looks fun. Especially if it's co-op. Four-player co-op. That would be fun to play with you or maybe Zach. Now I see this, I'm like... That at least, but uh, yeah. yeah. This is a way for this is way for reviews game for me now. It's like... Because I've seen the case of that happen so many. And the final story is basically... The actual death for pursuing this stupid model. Final story: Marvel's Avengers development ending. Story by Brian Shee from Game Informer. You really kind of organized this as like, yeah. this is what the, the yeah. slow progression builds. Oh yes, to, doesn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> there was uh, purpose. Right? How how we shifted all of this. I see it now. So. The team at Crystal Dynamics has announced the end of development for its live service Marvel's Avengers game. The news comes two and a half years after the game's fall 2020 launch. In that time, the Marvel's Avengers development team released 12 playable heroes, including the PlayStation exclusive Spider-Man, a full expansion set in Wakanda, multiple character-focused operations, and several smaller pieces of content. The 2.7 update, which arrived November 30, 2022, adding Winter Soldier and the cloning lab Omega level threat, was the final new content for Marvel's Avengers. Crystal Dynamics has planned one final title update version 2.8 to arrive on March 31, 2023. This update will not add any new content, including no additional cosmetics. Instead, it will deliver final balance updates and turn off the cosmetics marketplace. Once that update arrives, credits will not be purchasable, and all remaining credits in players' accounts will be converted to in-game resources like units, fragments, upgrade modules, polycoron, and DNA keys. As a result of the marketplace closure, all the game's marketplace challenge card and shipment cosmetic content will be made free for all players. This means, this means all outfits, takedowns, emotes, and nameplates from those sources will be, free, will be free for all players starting on March 31st. Official support for Marvel's Avengers will end completely on September 30. After that time, single-player and multiplayer will still be playable, but Crystal Dynamics is unlikely to address any additional issues with the game. The game will also be delisted from digital storefronts at, at that time. Marvel's Avengers received middling reviews at launch with many praising the single-player content. That was me. However, it was the repetitive multiplayer modes, abundant microtransactions that the development team's slow implementation of new content that soured many fans on the title. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is why you don't do a live service. Especially if you're not equipped and are not willing to spend the money and the resources and learn the know-how to properly do it. If, if there's anything that I've learned from playing Destiny for a while, it's that a live service game costs so much 
time, manpower, and money to constantly keep running. It is a mm -hmm. money pit mm -hmm. that you you usually end up going into either dead in or you just pull the plug after the game's been out for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And to keep it going, you either have to have like really good ingenuity at ingenuity at all times because you're fixing the same old game, mm -hmm. or you just keep iterating on that version and releasing a new version of that said game every once in a while. Mm -hmm. And that's just from a technical aspect. That's not even talking about like making the content good, fixing gameplay changes, fixing new characters, new content, new areas. And it's just not a good system. But because like two games made it work, mm -hmm. everybody wants to do it because you can make boatloads of cash doing it that's all they see yeah. unfortunately that's the kit that mm, that is like the rabbit trap for greedy people it if is. you're going and pivoting like that you have some very greedy people because anybody that knows the industry long enough knows that, that is not a good idea it's the same thing as people saying hey i want to open a restaurant and everyone else saying no that's not a good idea that's that's the smart thing mm -hmm. but then some people are like but i'm really passionate about it. i really want to do this thing it's like no don't do it mm -hmm. this this live service is the restaurant of the rest of the world out mm -hmm. here i'm probably sounding unhinged at this point but yeah. nobody ever <laughs> listens to mm -hmm. the business majors out here yeah anyway it's just like to me like um people are misunderstanding why fortnite's model works fortnite is just a battle royale that's all it is all they're doing is just selling the cosmetics and they their game worked and appealed to everyone thanks to its art style and its uniqueness and it's why it's going to be the only game that makes that amount of money if you try to do fortnite and try to do it differently it's not going to work and then with destiny for example it's like what they're basically doing is trying to do an mmo that isn't an mmo that's not sustained by uh by a subscription model why do some MMOs are withstand sometimes? Because they have their dedicated pay, uh, players that pay their monthly subscriptions. And then there are those that manage to make it work as a free-to-play thing. Look at DC Universe Online. These started very early. These are time commitments. They're almost full-time jobs. You can't ask more people to try to join more full-time jobs in your video games. You just can't. Especially because... When you're starting and you're not, you're literally gonna go through the same pitfalls all these games already went through, that they already figured it out years before. People are not gonna have the patience to see your live service game try to figure itself out, especially because it's very clear this is a genre that you can never, ever launch well at the beginning, ever. So why bother? It's like you can pre-ride. I, I tweeted this. It's like I was like, stop making live service games. You can go and pre-write all death of the deaths of live service games, like right now, and have that ready and post and, and post it on your website. Because that's the future these games are happening. It's like the, the graveyard is big. Ghost Recon Breakpoint. Anthem. And now Marvel's Avengers. The division, basically. Yeah, so it's like everything else Ubisoft tried to push out. <laughs> mm -hmm, yeah, and uh, Ubisoft has like some successful live service games, like quote unquote, like Rainbow Six Siege is basically a live service, and a it's very still successful one. It, yeah, um, For Honor is also live service. For Honor, uh, are we just talking Ubisoft? At yeah, this just point? U just I mean, in Ubisoft. Yeah, just yeah, think about that. Those are the main ones for sure. But yeah. like, I mean, all of their games now have live service elements to them, which is just that's what to me like it's it, to me like doesn't make any sense that they're like we're trying to make live service. No, you fucking don't. You already made them. You have some. 
rather support those and then make different kinds of games around those instead of trying to make everything that. Like the fact that they have the gold mine that is for honor, which is still to this day, like a kind of game that you nobody has like recreated to the level of polish mm -hmm. that actually stays really good no matter how long and you legit play it. one of the few how can i say this uh unique games they have yeah like nothing else that they have like is like for honor mm -hmm. especially for such a creatively bankrupt company like ubisoft through these days that they make the same game over and over it's so heartbreaking martin rabbit sparks of hope underperformed for them like that was like, especially when you compare it to their entire portfolio, like say whatever you will about the stupid rabbits, the sure. game itself, it was like, it was, it was really great. Really surprising. I think they didn't even realize how big of a deal it was going to become, but mm -hmm. I, this is just, I, I can't believe it, honestly. But um, whenever we're done with this, I do, I just found a little piece of news involving another live service game. Oh, um, so let's, share let's go ahead me. and say anything else uh, yeah. that we have for it. And I'm yeah. going to send it to you right now. Yeah. Like, like to me, like if anyone just wants like a clear picture of like why live service is just a cancer for video games, uh, just uh, let's uh, just, just look at that. Not even the Avengers name saved this game. The Avengers, the most successful movie of all time. No, the second most successful movie of all time behind uh, behind Avatar. And that's hilarious right now. Yep. Like, yeah. So, um, extra, you want to go ahead and say it? <laughs> yeah. So, extra, extra story here for another game that's also basically live service. That used to be the big thing six years ago. Until it wasn't. Uh, story number seven. Overwatch 2 shuts down in China, leaving o Overwatch League teams in limbo. Overwatch 2 and other Blizzard titles have officially been taken offline in China after a failed contract extension with NetEase, leaving Overwatch League teams based there in limbo now that the game is unplayable in the country. Both fans were made unaware of the situation after the Shengdu Hunters posted a tweet today that simply said, Goodbye and see you again. Five teams are affected by the shutdown, including the Hunters and the Gongsu Charge, the Hangzhou Spark in Shanghai Dragons and the Los Angeles Valiant who still has its base of operations in China. The shutdown doesn't come as a su surprise to most who live in the country since Blizzard announced that it would be happening back in November. The games are suspended after Blizzard and NetEase failed to come to another licensing agreement, which ended on January 23rd. World of Warcraft, Hearthstone, Warcraft 3 Reforged, Overwatch 2, and StarCraft series Diablo 3 and Heroes of the Storm were all taken offline in China due to the agreement's expiration. That is a huge yeah. library to lose all of a sudden. Just oh yeah, mention. yeah. But uh, that that honestly took me by surprise because I mm -hmm. hadn't heard about this at all until mm -hmm. I was scrolling Twitter randomly, and uh -huh. I was just like, "Oh, that was a thing." Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so all, Overwatch Two is just dead in that whole country, and all of the rest of them is just, just like mentioned as it, land. Yeah, and not only there. that, the country where they made the most money because that's what yep. the, all the loot boxes were like. Uh, was like focused on like the original Overwatch. They made all the money there because uh, China has been like the main uh, purveyor of money for Blizzard all these past years. In fact, like they sucked the tit of the Chinese so much that that's why Blitzchung, uh, the Blitzchung controversy happened. Remember that? Like that was four years ago, which is insane to think about. There was that I long ago. I can't believe it, honestly. Uh, and, uh, and I was like, they, they're not renewing this. Like, Blizzard's going to lose a chunk of their money because 
Blizzard is no longer the uh, like the shining bright icon of the gaming industry like they used to be. Because remember, there was a time where it was a Blizzard game. It was a Blizzard game. You know, it was big. It was mighty respected. I mean, every time they would come out with one of those really well-made trailers, trailers, just golly. Like, like even though I have excitement for Diablo 4, it's like there's still some skepticism for me because it's like that, that Diablo game is coming with this Blizzard. This isn't the Blizzard that launched Diablo 3. And even then, they're... Perfection image took a hit with Diablo 3 because they historically took 12 years to make Diablo 3 because they're like, we're not releasing it until it's ready. And then it launched and it couldn't even open because of error 37. So, oh man, it's like, this is, I remember hearing about this, but I'm glad you heard, heard this now because like now it happened. It's like, yeah, Blizzard's out of China. Yeah, yeah, Blizzard's out of China right now, which is like, they, they, they made a deal with the devil. Honestly, I thought that they were going to make it work because it makes so much money mm -hmm. that you would think that they would go through hell to make it work. And for whatever reason, mm -hmm. I I guess they didn't make it work. Yeah, something happened. And it makes me wonder if they didn't want to make it work because they know that they're going to be owned by someone else and they want to make whoever owns them. If it goes through to make the deal themselves instead of them jumping the gun, maybe yeah. that's why. The thing is that this uh, the Activision Blizzard deal is in danger of being shut up, like yeah. of not of not going through. That's the thing. Like if it misses one of the big ones, it's over. Like that deal's not gonna go through. Right. Because like, you have to get all of them, not just one. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So because then then you have to like consolidate the market in a way that's such a pain in the ass that many companies don't want to do. Have to be like create products that they can put in one one place and can in another one. It's like it's just gonna be like. They have to get everyone, everything or nothing. And for the most part, they've been getting a few. Brazil approved the deal. Saudi Arabia approved the deal. New Zealand delayed. Um, Serbia approved the deal, which is hilarious. I'm like, why do you need a Serbia? <laughs> or something like that. But they got to get the approvals for many. So, but if the big ones like fold, it folds. So, but we'll see. Like the thing is, like, China has just been such destructive to, to Blizzard in particular that, I mean, if this is a way for them to get out of there, but that's the thing. All these companies are so money hungry. They'll try to make China work because capitalism. <laughs> so always wins, baby. Oh yeah. So Paul, that's the, that's it for the news. So real quick, read the releases for January 9th to February. What was it? February fourth. Oh yeah, fourth, fourth. yeah. Um, so uh, going from top to bottom, we have Power Wash Simulator coming to PS5 and PS4 in January 30th. It's um, already on Game Pass, and it's right. hilarious. And it's fun. It's like, it's like yeah, and NPC. It's actually a fun game. I'm glad that it's on PlayStation. And then uh, Trek Tiomi is getting its Switch port on January 30th. Mm -hmm. Age of Empires 2 Definitive Edition is coming to Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One on Game Pass uh, uh -huh. on January 31st. Mm -hmm. Ink. Inculinati, um, which and that's I was, an amazing name, and I don't know what it is. Inculinati. I've seen the. Uh, I think that was also coming to Game Pass. It, yeah, it's a strategy game, apparently. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, that's coming to Xbox Series X and S, Xbox uh -huh. One, Switch, PC, January thirty first. Season: A Letter to the Future that was prominently featured in one of State the of play. 
State of Play, thank yeah. you. Um, on PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, and PC on January 31st. SpongeBob SquarePants. Oh, I'm excited for that. Shake, which is the <laughs> sequel to the... Um, Battle for Bikini Bottom and Rehydrated. Yes, thank you. Mm -hmm. um, for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch, PC on January 31st. Chef Life, a restaurant simulator. PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and S, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC on February 2nd. Deliver Us Mars, which sounds familiar to me, mm -hmm. but I could not place it if you ask me. PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and S, PS4, Xbox One, PC on February 2nd. Life is Strange 2 coming to the Switch on February 2nd. Mm -hmm. Kind of shocking that this game was not already on the Switch, yeah. honestly. It's many games, like, they don't. Um, and then eventually they make it with, like, a heavily uh, downgraded port that can work right. in the system or the cloud version. It's, I would think Life is yeah. Strange is just, like lo-fi enough mm. for that to work because it's a very stylized look to it very low uh tech low resolution textures on hey it. i thought uh kingdom hearts 1.5 2.5 was lo-fi enough ps2 games and they couldn't even make it work so. that is a good point but <laughs> i still feel like that was laziness on their part honestly but anyway yeah. the last game was uh tales the backbone preludes on pc for february 2nd and that is everything for this week for now yeah so Apparently, Deliver Us Mars is like a sequel from Deliver Us to the Moon. That's like, what I must be thinking of. Yeah, I'm like looking at uh, scrolling through a video. It looks interesting, like an adventure, like a space adventure game. Hmm. But uh, and and it's on all the consoles. But uh, here's the thing, Paul. We just purchased uh, Forspoken and Dead Space. I feel that that's enough for now, right now. Oh yes, and none of these like like Age of Empires two we can try it on Game Pass thankfully, which so. is great. Like uh, the few of these that are coming to Game Pass are mm -hmm. probably pretty decent too. I know a lot of people are gonna love the SpongeBob game. Um, Trek the Omni Glad the Switch mm -hmm. people are getting that Power Wash Simulator is very therapeutic, but at the same time it's like this is kind of the palate cleanser before all of the rest of the stuff comes out. Because what do we have um, at the end of this week? We already have a bunch of things. Uh, that space, and then so. after that next week. There's going to be even more because all of February is going to be hitting us. Yeah. Um, and that's just, Let me... just more and more coming. On. Yeah, because after that, uh, to us, it's uh, Howard's Legacy. Like, right. And that's like second the week after, of, uh, <laughs> after February that. for sure. Yeah, because it's like sure. Howard's Legacy. Um, Atomic Heart. Atomic Heart. Also the 10th. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then like um, PSVR is going to have like a massive launch around that time. We're not getting PSVR. At least right. I'm not. I'm, I'm not. But so, for what it's worth, there is a pretty decent lineup for mm -hmm. a mix of things that were on VR1 and then things that are just gonna launch yeah. out. Good for them. Honestly. Yeah, they have like 30 games coming to PSVR2. That's a lot compared to how it's a PSVR better starting lineup than, than most console launches, honestly. Yeah. So if you're going to like pony up the money for the 549 uh, headset, like you'll have options. Like, yeah. you're not going to buy all 30 games, I would assume, you're unless you're rich. So you can like keep like chipping away at one and be like, I want to play another one. You're going to have like that big library that's a launch. It all depends now on how they support it. So because after the after this launch, like Sony has to speak like Sony has to like now say more about like what's next, because like the barrel is like more empty than ever. Unless you're really that ballsy and be like, nah, we're ready now, Spider-Man. We're not going to say anything. <laughs> so. So, yeah, that that would be fun. But Paul. That concludes this week's chunky episode of the X Button. It yep. was bound to happen <laughs> because uh, it's it's been a while since we haven't done news and talked about all the games that we've been playing. But 
I feel we're gonna get back to like more reasonable times next week. So. Yes. Uh, we had to get a lot of cobwebs out, a lot of spring cleaning on this. We had to catch up for a lot of things that happened during the time we weren't recording. Yeah. But yeah. and I can't wait to finish Plague Tale so I can then just devour for spoken. So Paul, where can people find you? As always, y'all can find me at Dorgavart on Twitter. I post funny video game breaking memes and uh, art every once in a while. Where can they find you all? They can find me on Twitter at A underscore Dorsegovia. They can find me at Instagram at Alejandro Segovia93. They can find our streams whenever we stream at twitch.tv slash the Slayer Giant. And you can find my written content at both the critical corner.com and whenever I do reviews for seasongaming.com. Paul? Yeah. Glad to finally be back, like officially, officially, like doing this. So, it's can't wait to see what nonsense because we're recording early. Can't wait for like a big atomic bomb happening tomorrow. <laughs> so, and oh crap, and I forgot to mention the Xbox Direct is happening on Thursday when this episode is launching. We are not reacting to it because I have an appointment and Paul is busy. And, uh, but I will be, uh, if time allows me, I'm gonna to go to Sebastian's show, the single player experience, where we're gonna talk about it. Like like kind of like a supposed show thing. And then I might link it link it in the next episode. So unless I have the time, I might do a solo react like I did the Ubisoft thing, but no guarantees. So yeah. if you don't see it there, then it happens. If you don't see it, go look it up yourself and go watch it. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Paul. Time to go play some games. Go always yes, good indeed. to see your face. And everyone, stay healthy, stay safe, and remember. Press X. To play. Good night, everybody. Hasta la vista, baby.